This is the MLW Radio Network. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Blackheart, the head honcho off the Top Roast Podcast. If you love independent and professional wrestling and like all the juicy gossip of the wrestling industry, then look no further than here, OTTR Headquarters. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Facebook groups, and whatever it is you get your podcast from with our, with our latest Last Week of Wrestling, After Darts, Under Boss's Hard Taste, and now our new upcoming trivia game show, Wrestling Area, coming soon. So if you like what you've seen, you love professional wrestling, you love independent wrestling, you love everything about wrestling just yourself, give us a tune. You know, you would not regret it. Blackheart out. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Are you tired of prediction shows? Do you want to fantasy book the companies? Does Bigfoot even really exist? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then check out the podcast that isn't a podcast. Every Tuesday and Thursday, the standing streamer stands and delivers as he and Vanessa talk about all that's going on in pro wrestling today. Plus, see in-depth conversations with people in and around the wrestling world as guests share their stories and insights about making it in the business. The Putting You Over Podcast. Putting your weeknights over every Tuesday and Thursday. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. My name is Thomas and... What's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we shared a room. Thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go we... way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books. We're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also, check us out on Twitter at the Broadcast. That's B R O. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Ending. Yeah, it's alright, good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C, we spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Two Heels and a Face Wrestling Podcast believes wrestling is a buffet. There's something there for everyone. These guys cover local Chicago indie scene, and all of their episodes can be found at twoheelsandaface.com. The number two, heelsandaface.com. Hey everyone, my name is referee Tony S, and this is Heat, the wrestling podcast. Like you first and foremost, I'm a wrestling fan, and for nearly two decades I've maintained law and order inside the squared circle in New England and throughout the country, working with some of the best and brightest from wrestling's past, present, and future. Now, I bring my authoritative tell-it-like-it-is style to the podcast world. Join me each week as we go through all the major headlines from the global companies, independents, and in-between. 
and most importantly, the women will receive the coverage and headlines they truly deserve as they'll empower the second half of the show. Plus, I'll introduce you to my friends and colleagues within all forms of wrestling and entertainment, answer your questions, anything goes, no holds, well, questions barred, and throw in some fun surprises along the way. Get ready for the spark that fuels the flame. Listen on Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Freeland. We are brought to you by the MLW Radio Network. You can check out all of our fine podcasts over on MLWRadio.com. You can also catch us on Stitcher, iTunes, FMPlayerRadio.com, and all points in between. Remember, this podcast is absolutely free of charge, so you don't have to worry about any types of subscription fees. This podcast is all about wrestling. We talk all about Major League Wrestling. We talk about Impact Wrestling. We talk about AEW and WWE. Um, we are very excited once again to be joined by my brother from another mother, the man that uh, is dear to my heart and dear to my daughter's heart now because she has uh, some great, great gifts from Uncle Chris, uh, and uh, she's loving it. We got some pictures we're going to have to send to you as well. But uh, the Butster is joining us. Butster, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you, bud? Couldn't be any better. It's always a good time when I get a chance to talk to you. Uh, so are things calmed down after your big weekend with uh, with the big trade show? No. No. I actually picked up three more shows that I didn't plan on doing. Look at you getting booked. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's good. It's a good problem. Uh, we had a great time at the show. Did fairly well. Uh, as I said, we were making a donation to the military veterans program. Donated twenty percent of sales, so good. That was that was pretty good. That was nice to do. Made me feel good, and yeah, we had a good turnout. Did some good business, and yeah, had some people reach out to us, and we're doing three more shows now. Wow, look at you! I mean, did you ever think when you first started, just you know, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that in my woodworking shop. That it would ever kind of blossom into something like this, or did you think, yeah, I definitely think this could be something? No, I just did it for fun. If I made a couple dollars to buy new tools, perfect. That was my goal. I wanted a new wood shop. Mm-hmm. So I figured I'll well, make stuff to sell and get a new wood shop. With uh, with business booming now, I mean, God forbid you have to get another water heater or a furnace or anything like that. This could take care of that, right? Really hoping I had to buy nothing else, baby Mike. Next yeah. thing I want is a new bandsaw. Ooh, how much does that run, roughly? 2800 the one I want. Jeez. I'm glad I'm not I'm never a... to buy another one. It's, it's a one-time purchase, lifetime guarantee? Well, yeah, pretty much. Nice. Bands all that size will last me forever. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm not a man's man because tools and all that kind of stuff, I feel like it would become a very expensive uh, trade to be in. It is. It's but you know though. what? It, it, it's fun, you enjoy it, and that's the most important thing. Something else that's important is the third member of this group. He is a WWE aficionado, along with all things wrestling, for that matter. He's joined us before. He's back again to join us because we pay him. He uh, originally said no. We just kept upping the ante. He finally said yes. He'll be our friend. It's Brandon again. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? Howdy, howdy. Uh, the check... Of pay must have got lost in the mail because that has not shown up yet. Uh, oh so man, 
<laughs> it's <week> is questionable. <laughs> it, it's it's with the t-shirts that are heading their way to Bud. It, they'll be there. They'll be oh, there. excellent. Just I look keep, forward to yeah. it. Yeah, okay, Bud. Keep checking the mailbox. But, but no, I'm doing well. Uh, riding solo this week. The uh, the wife is in Scotland doing some presentations for for school. So wow. Uh, she is gone till next Wednesday, so a little over a week from now. So just me and the cat. That's that's the life for the next week. Nice. So what 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 are you doing as you're kind of pseudo bacheloring it up right now? Like, is it just frozen pizza meals and just kind of hanging out or? Uh, yeah, no, frozen pizzas tomorrow. Uh, I've already scheduled it. Uh, tonight was uh, was tacos that she actually had pre-bought and were ready for me to make today. Um, yeah, so pizza tomorrow. Um, the cat and I will just just chill. I have NXT on behind me here. There's some good hockey games going on throughout the week, so that'll that'll be my week. Very nice, very nice. I I myself am not a uh, hockey aficionado, so I'm not very familiar with the sport. Maybe you guys can catch me up on that and uh, fill me in on the details. It's a widely popular sport. It looks really exciting. I just don't know very much about the sport. But um, who's your team? I'm a Sens fan, Ottawa Senators. So I spend majority of my life being miserable. Um, <laughs> it's just what it is. So, but I am to make up for it. I'm a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. So kind of balance out. Oh wow! Okay, very cool. But are you the same? Are you the an Ottawa fan? Or are you a Maple Leafs fan? No, or I'm a Maple Leafs fan. Nice. I'm not miserable for all different reasons. That's not to do with my hockey team. The last, the last name that I remember playing is Sidney Crosby. Still playing? Yes. Yes. Okay, and he plays for the Penguins. I want to say. Yes. Correct. The uh, the logo that looks like a four year old drew. So that's all I'm going to say. All right, guys, we got a big show for you this week. We're going to be talking about what's happening with AEW and their big pre-sale that happened for Wembley Stadium. We're going to give you the details on that one. Wardlow, is he becoming the next Virgil? The Butster is going to tell us a little bit about what's going on with him when it comes to these live shows or these live meeting greets, I should say. We're also going to find out what's going on with Trinity as she officially is with Impact Wrestling. We're going to give you the updates on that as well. We're also going to give you a little update on Cody Rhodes. Cody still believes it's supposed to be him and Roman one more time. Unfortunately, Cody says in an interview he doesn't think that match is going to happen as of right now. We'll also give you an update on CM Punk, Phil Brooks. What has he been up to outside of being backstage at a lot of other companies' promotions? All of that and a t-shirt scandal, which I need to give my two cents on, and a whole lot more in this week's episode. So uh, let's just kind of start off jumping right in here. Um, Butster, let me ask you, you sent me a message and you said, hey, I want to talk to you about Wardlow. So kind of give me the scoop on what's going on with this whole Wardlow situation. Well, he was at a meet and greet. I'm just looking up to figure out exactly what town it was in. And we apparently were charging like five figures. He expects ten grand for a meet and greet. Come in, you know, shake hands, get some pictures and whatnot. And the picture looks kind of sad. It's a full-on Virgil shot. It's just him by himself. There's no lineup. There's nobody there. And I just think ten grand's a little bit rich. Is it not? Like, Wardlow's becoming a star, but $10,000 just to hang out for a couple hours and do some autographs? 
I don't know. I don't get it. Like, what's if he's doing ten grand? What would a bigger name get? Like Brandon, we went to see uh, Bret Hart and Mark Henry, and those guys. What were they charging? If Wardle charges ten grand? Yeah, that would have been would have been pretty high, I would imagine. Right, like Jam would have had to pay them a, a fortune. Not, to, I'm not saying Wardle's not relevant. He's very good. Ten thousand dollars is a lot of money, though. I just don't understand what is the going. What's a reasonable going rate? And am I off base? Is he worth that kind of money? Um. Personally, for me, I need to look at what the going rate is. I, and I'm trying to pull that up as we talk right now. I don't know what the going rate for um, or what the scale really is or even if a scale even really exists. But to to you, the point you made earlier, I mean, if it's Mark Henry and Bret Hart, um, it, let's just say there is a scale and Wardlow's at the 10 grand level. Bret Hart's got to be at the 25,000 level, I, I would assume, if not even higher. But once again, I don't know how that all works. Um, but ten grand just to be there for whether it's a few hours or whether it's a Friday, Saturday type of gig, whatever it may be, that's a huge chunk of change. Now, for any convention uh, person to be able to uh, pay that kind of thing, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, they have to assume doing the numbers that they're going to get that and more back um, with their ROI. Am I correct in that? Yeah. Well, you would hope so. My God, it's it's a business move. You're doing it to make cash off of him. So if you're paying him ten, you're I would assume you're hoping to make ten on it. So you got to do twenty grand. That is a lot of autographs. Okay, so I have something right here, and I'm trying to find the date on it. It says WWE meet and greets and special VIP tickets are very limited. Now, not all performers do these types of things. However, some may do it. Thus, WWE meet and greets prices can range from anywhere from $1,000 to $5,000 per ticket, um, which that's a hell of a meet and greet, in my opinion. Um Wow, and these are four VIP meet and greet packages for Backlash, which is going to be happening in Puerto Rico. So let me go ahead and let me just click here where it says buy tickets. So so this one is a WWE SmackDown and Backlash two-day pass. And let's see here. Well, it, it's basically like a, a combo package here, but you're looking at roughly... It's a two-day pass, and it is $356 per person. What's that picture? Um, Let me see. It gets you, I think it gets you tickets as well. So let's see. It says WWE SmackDown Backlash two-day pass, San Juan meet and greet, and VIP treatment. Um, if you're wanted to meet your idol from WWE and from Backlash pay-per-view and a two day pass will get you all of that. The two day pass in San Juan, Puerto Rico gets you a meet and greet. Uh, you can do it for two days. They're going to have openings available for different stars that you'll be able to lo- meet live in person. You can grab a photo and I believe get an autographed item. And if you would like more, you can obviously click for more. So that's for WWE. Um, clearly, Wardlow's not on WWE level. I think we're pretty much in agreement with that. For sure. Like, I'm looking at WrestleCon, 
right okay. now. Okay. Uh, in Detroit. No, sorry, it's LA. This one is. So the Young Bucks. Mm -hmm. If you want to get what is it, autographs, so you get both autographs for eighty dollars. Okay. That is actually so that's both autograph autographs and a selfie for eighty bucks. So you got to think, what would you have to charge? What would they be charging for Wardlow to do theirs? If well, okay, if it's so eighty you, a pop, you need to crank out a lot of people, and that's for, I, well, for a tag team. This this is true. I mean, first of all, I would rather get the Young Bucks. Um, you're getting both Young Bucks autographs and a selfie for a total of eighty for both. Eighty, yep, eighty dollars. That seems, uh, you know. For a meet and greet, and how often do you really get these opportunities? Brandon, jump in here. Eighty bucks doesn't sound bad for young bucks. Yeah, um, I, I got two two ideas here with the um, with the WWE meet and greet that they were talking about last time. WWE was in our hometown. I know that they were selling tickets. It was three hundred and something a piece, so much like that. And it was front row, and then it was a meet and greet, but you actually didn't know who the superstars were. And then I found out later or after the show that it was uh, Alpha Academy and Oscar were the were the three that came down to meet the people before. I mean, I love Chad Gable. I know Mr. Butt there is a big Otis fan, so he would have been all over it. And Oscar's Oscar. My thing with Wardlow, though, do you think it's one of those things where he just sets a ridiculously high price because he doesn't want to get booked? And then if he does get booked, hey, it's great for him because he gets the money, but he would rather be spent at home. That's kind of my thinking is. I know we've heard stories of that before as they just come in with this stupid price um, in hopes that no one actually bites on it. But if they do and they're stupid enough to do it, then they get to make their money and they sit there for a couple hours. That's a really good point. I mean, yeah. it's almost as if like you're bidding yourself too high so you can say, well, at least I threw an offer out there. But you know darn well that you threw an offer out that no one was most likely going to bite on. So, no, I agree with you 100%. I think it sounds like he really doesn't want to be there. But why do you even entertain the offer at that point in time? If you're just like, you know what? I appreciate my time being at home. I'd rather just be at home. Then why even dick around with it to begin with? But I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not Wardlow. I don't know what he values as far as his time is concerned. I know AEW's schedule is not that crazy, so he probably has plenty of time to do other things. Um, Brandon, who would you, let, let's just say it was that 300 and some odd dollars, but you got to pick the superstars. Who who would you pick for that? If it had, was it was it two superstars or was it three you said? Uh, it was a tag team, so I guess if we're going off, off a tag team and a superstar. And if it's my choice, anybody in WWE, um, AJ Styles would be the number one pick. Um, Good call. I'm going tag team. I, I met the Street Street Profits, actually. They came out after the show, and I just happened to be out there. So mingled with them, got a photo, kind of a photo with them. Um, but if I'm going to tag team, ooh, pretty deadly. I don't know if you guys watch a lot of NXT. I love pretty deadly. I think it, think it would be those. Pretty deadly and AJ. But if in order to see AJ, I got to see the OC, I guess I'll put up with it. But be one of those two. Speaking of the OC, um, since we're on WWE right now in this first segment, where the hell are they? I take it you guys didn't watch SmackDown? I did not catch SmackDown. Right. Are, are they right. prominently focused on that show? Or Well, so uh, this past Friday was the draft. 
Um, yeah. was day one of the draft. Day two was last night as we record. Um, day one had half your roster, half your roster on Monday. Uh, the OC, so Gallows, Anderson, Michelle, or mm-hmm. Mia Yim, and AJ Styles were all drafted as a unit. Uh, they were drafted in the third or the fourth round. I can't remember exactly. Um, later on in the show, though, the four of them did come out. Uh, they were interrupted by the Viking Raiders. Uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson beat them down. AJ Styles hit the phenomenal forearm, and that was the end of their little segment. But going forward, starting next week after Backlash, because Triple H said during the draft that starting May 8th, the rosters of the draft will actually take into effect. So starting that week, May 12th or whatever it is, AJ and the OC will be prominently on SmackDown. Nice. Very good because we haven't. I haven't personally seen them in a while. Is is that they have been? Have they been on TV consistently on SmackDown? Yeah. So so the rumors that I've heard and, and seen was that uh, the OC were brought back directly to be with AJ Styles. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but back when they were released, uh, back in 2020, uh, AJ Styles was really really pissed off about it because uh, Paul Heyman told them told him that the OC were fine, and then. Paul Heyman being Paul Heyman, uh, they got cut and AJ had a lot of hate and anger towards them, thought Paul Heyman was a liar. Uh, so they were brought back specifically to be with AJ in early January. AJ broke his ankle. Um, and when he was hurt, they just took the OC off TV. Mia Yim got some stuff. She was tag teaming with Candice LeRae for a little bit. Uh, but as Candice got drafted to Raw, it looks like they're going to do a, a The Way reunion on Raw because Johnny Gargano, Indy Hartwell, and uh, Dexter Loomis all got drafted to Raw. And then Mia Yim's on SmackDown now. The only appearance that the OC had since January was there was a tag team gauntlet that they lost in the first round. And during the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, they were both in that, but were eliminated pretty quickly. Wow. So that would be... If you had to have a tag team, obviously it would be the OC. If you could get AJ, that would be if that was yes. the the deal. Okay, Butster, I think I kind of know the direction we're going to go here, but it's always nice to hear it. What uh, what is your take on this one? I think I know the tag team. So um, as a tag team, I'm going Sammy Zayn and Kevin Owens. Oh, oh, I'm going to go a little off the charts. I know you're expecting. Alpha Academy. I very much was expecting Alpha Academy. And I considered it, but I don't care for Chad Gable. So Chad Gable's really good. He is really good, but if I got to pick two, Otis would be great, yes. But I'd sooner Sami Zayn and Kevin Owen. I can respect that. Uh, Singles. Oh, this is a good one. Let's see it. Seamus. Oh, wow. That's a good pick. Yeah, I'd go Seamus. Something a bit different. I like that. Now, it'd be Seamus or Cody. But I'd probably go with Seamus over Cody, honestly. I like that. Good pick right there. Um, let us know what your thoughts are with meet and greets. Uh, go ahead and hit us up on social media. You can hit me up at Mike, M-I-K-E-F-R-E-L-A-N-D. Butster, where can they hit you up at? At G O T N E W F two two nine one. Brandon, you're on the Twitter machine, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's. I don't use Twitter that often. Uh, it is Brandon Brown, B R A N D O N 
Uh, oh, no, I lied to you. It's bbrownx23. It's my same handle as my Instagram. So Nice. So people can hit you up on Instagram yeah. as well if they would Preferably like to. Preferably on Instagram, but whatever works for them. Nice. Um, as far as meet and greets, I was trying to remember all the different people that I've actually paid for meet and greets. So when I went to WrestleMania 22 in Chicago, I had Mickey James, Bobby Lashley. Um, I want to say Matt Hardy and I'm trying to think who else was there, but I had a pretty good thing going there. They have different packages that you can buy. So I bought the bagels, biceps, something brunch. So I had the the meet and greet, and then I had the brunch thing, and then obviously it was tickets to to WrestleMania. So that was pretty cool. But those were the people that I got to to meet. It was it was nice. Um, I went to the Arnold Classic here in Columbus, Ohio, and I got to meet John Cena and Triple H. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, no additional charge for that. That was just part of when you got into the Arnold. You actually just got in line for for pictures with them, which I thought was pretty cool. Did pay to see Kevin Nash at a local mall uh, back in the 90s when that was really a thing. At the mall. We're going to go to the mall and meet somebody. Yeah. So I have paid to do meet and greets. Um, I would personally love to go to a WrestleCon. Brandon, what's your thought? Would you go to like a WrestleCon or uh, what are some of these other ones? Um, Oh, what is... The uh, Wrestle Reunions. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the the wife and I are planning, hopefully, to go to WrestleMania next year in Philadelphia. Nice. Um, so with WrestleMania, you know, there's a million other events uh, going on. So that's that's the goal. Uh, Mr. Butt and I have, to my knowledge, met pretty much the same same wrestlers: uh, Bret Hart, Mark Henry, Typhoon. Um, nice. We met Jimmy Hart, uh, Billy Gunn on a handful of occasions. Uh, Tommy Dreamer, Gangrel, uh, Hornswoggle, Hornswoggle, yeah. Uh, we're meeting Rhino, or I'm meeting Rhino this weekend. Uh, Angelina Love, Velvet, or not Velvet Sky, sorry, Madison Rain. Uh, mm. So those are the two females we've met. Vicky we're Guerrero, just... but we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tito Santana, Tyson Kidd. We we've done our rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, ultimately I would love to go to a WrestleCon or a WrestleCade or whatever they're called. It's just something fun to do. Uh, like I got the wife kind of involved in wrestling now. So I think the running joke is she hates Natalia. So I want her to meet Natalia. I think that'd be hilarious if that was to happen. Um, and then I would like go onto her social media and just post the photo of her and Natalia as her display picture on Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. So I'd what, sleep what, on the couch afterwards, but it'd be worth it. What's the beef with Natalia and the missus? What, what's the reason there? Uh, it's twofold. Uh, first, she hates the cat ears. Hates, hates, hates the cat ears. Um, secondly, she is just not a huge fan of women's wrestling. Um, in her mind, when she sees somebody like Rhea Ripley come out, Rhea Ripley should just beat everybody in a squash all the time. When Charlotte comes out, it should be a squash all the time. So she has trouble suspending disbelief in like a Charlotte versus Zelina Vega or something like that. Because in theory, it should just be over. She she finds, and I, you, I can kind of attest to it too, is women's wrestling, especially in WWE and the one match a week that AEW gets, it's uh, very choreographed. You can see them kind of doing the move in their head before the move's displayed in the ring. 
she just doesn't she's just not a fan of it whereas i grew up on it so i'm used to it but i can definitely see a new fan coming in just not picking up on the style nice um I, I know the butts are a big fan of uh, natalia so i just thought i would get that out there <laughs> she's obviously so, a terrible judge of character but well yeah oh look who she God. sleeps next to every night oh my God. but for some reason she hasn't put a pillow over your face yet i don't know why that's the dream <laughs> <laughs> for both of us I was just about to say, speaking of the dream, that's a perfect segue into uh, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. After, unfortunately, coming up short at WrestleMania 39, Cody Rhodes still believes the goal and the story has not officially been told yet. He gave an interview with ComicBook.com, and he was talking about he still thinks the biggest match that the WWE could put on would be Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Now, even though WWE has recently come out with a new World Heavyweight Championship, he still thinks that the prize that he needs to win to complete his story is going to be the one that Roman Reigns has currently on both of his shoulders. Let me ask you this question, Butster. Um, there's a lot of people who said that they were upset with the way WrestleMania 39 ended with Solo Sokoa having the interference, not really having a good clean match. And some people wanted Cody to have that big victorious moment. That's why you brought him back, right? That's why you, you know, you bit make this big thing about him winning the Royal rumble, the whole nine yards. And then it didn't happen. And then as late as time would go on, we would hear things trickle out from the wrestling industry. Road dog, for one example said, well, he really didn't have much adversity. There really wasn't much of a struggle to get to, obviously a championship match therefore did he really earn it and there's also belief with whether you believe it or not that because he um went ahead and started aew that maybe there's a little bit of bad blood there as far as trying to go ahead and start a company uh rival to wwe maybe that is or isn't playing a factor into it but do you think ultimately he's going to defeat Roman Reigns? Are they going to go back to that well again? And if they do, when do you think that might happen? I hope they'll go back to that well again. Uh, it's going to be a little bit. you got to build it back up again now at this point. Uh, the new title is the Cody title. Uh, I think everybody can see that coming. As Brandon shakes his head at me. But now I think he's going to end up with that title for a little bit. I don't know if that's how they're going to use it to build him up or not. Uh but right now, you couldn't put him and Roman back together. That ship has sailed now. You took away all Cody's momentum. You got him in there with Brock. So you've you've moved away from it. You don't have to build it up again somehow. It, it'll be if it happens again, and I hope it does. It's going to be a bit. You're talking probably a year, nine months to a year. Okay, but you definitely think that he should be the one to dethrone Roman. I hope he is. Yes. I'd like to see that. Brandon, jump in on here. Um, your thoughts on this. Obviously, normally when we have a WrestleMania, shortly thereafter, we see a WrestleMania rematch. Uh, we're not going to see that right away. Do you also feel like there's a little bit of momentum that's lost by not sticking with this? Or do you think maybe going away from it actually isn't a bad idea? Yeah, uh, so for people that didn't see the draft, Cody was officially drafted to Raw. Uh, Roman is officially drafted to SmackDown. Uh, that means that new title is being put on Raw. Cody Rhodes is not winning it. That is going to be the Seth Rollins title to start. 
Uh, actually, the draft has Raw has like a stellar main event scene. You have Gunther, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, Nakamura, Riddle, if you wanted to go Riddle. It's it's going to be big over there, but it's Seth Rollins' title to, to lose. Um, going forward, Cody Rhodes is going to beat Roman. In a picture-perfect world, I would hope it's in SummerSlam. I have a thought that they're going to push Roman's title to WrestleMania 40 um, in Philadelphia and lose in Philadelphia, but it is going to be Cody. Cody wants to complete the story. The story does not make sense for him to win a title that is literally just created. It doesn't, it, it's the consolation prize. Like, and it's worked out for AEW, but that TNT title was because Cody couldn't challenge for the AEW world championship anymore. So here's your title, Cody, go play with your friends. And that, that was the issue that he booked himself into or Tony, Tony Khan let him book himself into. So, yeah, that title's not going to go to Cody. I think it's a slap in the face. And I think it's also too similar to AEW's run with Cody. So is it Cody wins the money in the bank and challenges Roman a straight-up match at SummerSlam? Or does Cody win another Royal Rumble and gets that match at WrestleMania? But he will beat Roman. Do you think the Cody fanfare is still going to be there? Um, down the road. I mean, I know obviously anytime somebody comes back, there's that initial big buzz again. Do you think Cody's going to continue to have that good response from the audience, or do you think that may wane a little? It's not getting close to waning. He's still getting the loudest pops. Uh, when he came back last year, obviously he had that huge WrestleMania return, uh, the hell in the cell. But since he's come back at Royal Rumble, it's been nonstop. Funny story, my dad, who's in his 50s, watches wrestling diehard and he messaged me back in June after the hell in the cell pay-per-view and asked me what a tattoo a good tattoo place in Kingston was and he went and got the Cody Rhodes neck tattoo on his arm man has never had a tattoo in his life (laughs) but he went and got it done on his arm he got me to buy him a shirt for Father's Day so Cody Rhodes is the guy and uh, WWE continues to sell out shows raw Smackdowns, pay-per-views, and the crowd is still going crazy. I was at the Raw um, after Elimination Chamber, and the crowd, even though Uncle Dave wanted everybody to boo Cody Rhodes and go with Sami Zayn, Cody still got the second biggest pop of the night after Sami Zayn, of course. But we were in Ottawa, so we were close by. But Cody, unless they butcher his character, I think he's fine. Interesting. So... When we talk about, and I know obviously this isn't one of our big, big topics here, if, if Cody does win the championship, do you think he has a long title run? Let's just kind of you know, look into our crystal ball here down the road. Is he somebody who would have a long title reign, such as a WrestleMania to a WrestleMania? Or do you feel like with a lot of the new talent that they're developing right now, especially from NXT, they're bringing them up, do you think that it might be a little bit shorter because he is a little bit older? Yeah, I, my fantasy booking was if he had won at WrestleMania, you would do like a Shawn Michaels uh, 96 run where he had the belt from WrestleMania to Survivor Series where he gets, he had a competitive match against Sid but lost to Sid and then got the title back at, at Royal Rumble. I would have done the same thing. Cody Rhodes has a good title reign. You know, I don't, I wouldn't go back to the Seth Rollins well, but he beats, you know, Drew McIntyre and Solo and different people along the way and then gets squashed by Gunther at Survivor Series, and then you get your, like, redemption of him 
training and preparing and coming back and beating Gunther at the Royal Rumble to then start his next title reign and WrestleMania match and stuff. He doesn't need the, the title for long. A lot of people in WWE have those gigantic, like Bianca's over a year. Gunther's coming up to a year. Roman is almost three years. Like we need a short title reign somewhere. So hopefully when he does win it, it's like three, four, five months, somewhere around there. Interesting. We'll have to continue to watch and find out what's going to be happening uh, with Cody Rhodes. But the draft, would you say the WWE played it well as far as who they drafted in, in what shows? And it's going to be uh, more interesting than what it is currently? Yeah, I, I have the dra- the rosters here if you want to hear them quick. Um, they, they had 18 NXT call-ups too, which I think wow. is, is wild. Um, really, really fast, rapid fire. Raw is going to have Tazawa, Alpha Academy, Apollo Crews, who's coming back up from NXT, uh, nice. Becky Lynch, Braun Strowman and Ricochet, Bronson Reed, Candice LeRae, Cody Rhodes, Dana Brooke, Dexter Loomis, Drew McIntyre, Emma, Humberto and Angel Garza, all of Imperium, Indy Hartwell, Indus Sheer, who is the tag team with Jinder Mahal down in NXT. Uh, so Veer is finally coming. Uh, JD McDonough, Johnny Gargano, Katana Chance, and Caden Carter, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Mase, Mansoor, and Maxine, Riddle, Natalia, Nikki Cross, Odyssey Jones, who's an NXT guy. Uh, I, I don't know how much you guys watch NXT. He, uh, he competed in the breakout tournament a couple years ago and lost to the NXT champion Carmelo Hayes now. Uh, he did tear his ACL or something and was on the shelf for about a year. So he's actually only been on NXT now for like two or three months. So that was kind of a surprising call-up. Uh, Piper Niven, Raquel and Liv, Rhea Ripley, Riddick Moss. He's dropped Madcap. He's now Riddick. Ronda Rousey and Shayna, Seth Rollins, Nakamura, Sonya and Chelsea Green, Tegan Knox, The Whole Judgment Day, The Miz, New Day, Viking Raiders, Trish Stratus, Zia Lee and Zoe Stark got called up. So there's your raw roster. That's a huge, not to cut you off, Brandon, that's a huge for one show. Granted, it is three hours. But still. But But yeah, no, that is. But then they're doing this thing called like the free agents. And this list is much shorter. But it's Baron Corbin, Brock Lesnar, Dolph Ziggler, Ali, Omos, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, Elias, Von Wagner from NXT, and Zion Quinn from NXT. And basically how it's being reported is those guys will kind of float around between Raw and SmackDown outside of Brock Lesnar and Omos, probably as jobbers. And then eventually I'm sure there'll be some storyline where they stick to one roster. I think it's it's great. I mean, but that... So ballpark, how many people on that Raw roster just dedicated to the Raw roster? Uh, you're looking at 30. It's a big roster. It's big. It's a big roster. SmackDown Um, is much smaller. (laughs) I I was just about to say, give us a SmackDown roster here. The new SmackDown roster. Uh, So the new SmackDown roster, you have Elba Fire and Isla Dawn, who are the current NXT women's tag champions. Um, You have Asuka, you have Austin Theory, Bianca Belair, Bobby Lashley, Cameron Grimes, Charlotte Flair, Damage Control, Bailey, Io, or EO, and Dakota. You have Edge, Grayson Waller, got the call up, and Grayson is fantastic. Yeah, uh, is. Hit Row, Karrion Cross and Scarlett, LA Knight, Lacey Evans, 
the LWO, that includes Rey Mysterio. Uh, Pretty Deadly, Rick Boogs, Roman Reigns, and Solo. Shotzi, Tamina, The Brawling Brutes, The OC, like I said earlier, includes AJ Styles. The Street Profits, and then The Usos. That's your SmackDown roster. Wow. Did I miss it? Is Braun Breaker not get called up? He did That's not right. get called up. He's right now. Uh, so Braun Breaker, they turned him heel. Uh, so he is like Scott Steiner, mini Scott Steiner, just off the rails, angry, yelling random shit. He is feuding with Carmelo Hayes again. So Carmelo beat him. Uh, Trick Williams, Carmelo's uh, lackey there. They cheated. And it was com- almost like a double return there. Um, so Carmelo got the win and then Braun ended up laying him out after the match and f- turning heel and they're building up to, a to the next NXT live event or pay-per-view will be, uh, those guys headlining, but no, Braun didn't get called up. And I wonder if they still wanted to keep some level star power with NXT after calling up 18 other people. Yeah. They were like, we'll bring you up, but we, we can't, we can't deplete everyone. Yo, absolutely. This, that was a lot. <laughs> So how much is left on NXT now if you bring up 18? they got to be getting a little thin on the roster. Well, the the good thing with NXT is there's just – they have all those new talents, like all those, like, college athlete people that they hire. Yeah, and they're fine. Obviously, they're a little green. You still have your big – like, Carmelo Hayes is there. Dragon Lee they brought in. Um, Ilya. Dragonoff is still down in NXT. He was a lot of people thought he was going to get called up. He didn't. Dijakovic is down there. Wesley is on a tear. Drew Gulak, William Regal's son. Like, there's a solid foundation. The women's roster took a huge hit, though. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Indy Hartwell was your NXT women's champion and just got called up. And she destroyed her ankle last week in a title defense. So I don't know what they're going to do with the women's roster. I've I have NXT on the background. I haven't really noticed them say anything about it yet, but we'll definitely we'll come back to this because we have more WWE in the show a little bit later on. But a uh, lot of good information here. Um, switching gears right here, throwing a little Impact Wrestling into the the conversation as well. We talked about Nick Aldis obviously being a free agent after he left the NWA, and what really would happen to him. Now, the Butster and I last couple of weeks we've talked about that he's gone to Impact Wrestling, and we feel like it's a good place for him right now. You know, it's it's a step up from the NWA. I feel like it has probably one of the best rosters they've had in a very very long time. The chemistry in the company is really, really good. Um, Specifically, Nick Aldis uh, did an interview on the Battleground podcast, and he was basically talking about how he feels the roster is right now and how many professionals he feels are really all dedicated to the cause and impact. And he said this, there's a lot of seasoned professionals who understand that this place can be as big as we want to make it. They understand they feel we have positive momentum going. I think, you know what, to say that we have a chip on our shoulder wouldn't be all that inaccurate. We have a healthy sort of understanding like, hey, look, we know there's a lot of people looking at WWE and AEW, but we're over here and we're kicking it and we're keeping up with your shows as well. We're going to sell out as well and we're going to continue to sell out and our numbers are just going to continue to go up. Um, He also would go on to say last week was our highest rated show since last March. It was really 
big, especially for in my career. I have to be a part of something and I feel the upward mobility and forward momentum with Impact Wrestling is where I need to be. Let's dig in and let's get this thing going. Um, Impact's next major event will be Under Siege, which will be happening May 26th in London, Ontario, Canada. Impact World Champion Steve Macklin will defend against PCO at that show. Trey Miguel will put his X Division Championship on the line against Chris Sabian. Impact Knockouts World Champion Deanna Peraza will defend against Jordan Grace. If Peraza retains, Grace can no longer challenge for the title again as the Virtuos is the champion. Um, let me first throw it to the butt here. We've talked about this, and I, and I think this is fair to say that if Impact Wrestling was on a more seen platform, they could compete ratings-wise with AEW. Do you agree with that statement still, but or do you think that they are still not quite at an AEW level? Well, if they had a legit TV deal, yeah, they probably could. Uh, you, know, you don't hear nothing bad about it. It seems like everybody's bought into the company now. And, you know, Macklin's looking like a stud. Oh, my gosh. Um, Jordan Grace, she's probably not going to be there much longer. But, I mean, she's over like Rover. Right? PCO is fantastic. Right? Completely reinvented. Brendan and I went to see him wrestle in Napanee. Um, no, Impact seems like they got things figured out. They're, they're always going to be the small fish. And that's not to speak ill of them. That's just facts. Yeah. I mean, they they were fairly relevant back in the exhibition days, like when Jerry was with them and whatnot, when they they were on um, Spike TV. Yep. But since then, they've kind of faded away. And there was a lot of turmoil there for a bunch of years. So they kind of, everything went to hell in a handbasket. But right now, they seem like they got stuff figured out. They're a feeder organization. Like that's that's the gist of it. That they're always just going to be feeding to other federations, but they're doing well. Like they, what they've I got really... some good momentum going, so I'd say ride it out. And if they had a TV deal to where they're on T, like a proper channel, not the damn game show network or game TV or whatever the hell it is, we get it up here. That's sad. You know, they could make a run, not WWE run. But they would get the same ratings as AEW or be maybe a touch under, but it wouldn't be a lot. No, I, I don't think they're they're that far behind. I mean, when you talk about just pure talent, their women's division is ridiculously good. I think we can all get on board with that. Yep. Um, I also think that when you have people like Nick Aldis coming in, yeah, he definitely says he has his sights set on the world title. But when you also think about it, he's also one of those seasoned guys who is more of a leader than necessarily being having to be champion. Josh Alexander was one of those guys who puts the company before himself. And I think when you start getting those people who are there for a long time and they start to show people, hey, this is the foundation that we want to establish, then you're going to get more people to buy in instead of just saying, well, I'm just going to be here for a cup of coffee and then I'm going to leave. I could not be more excited for Steve Macklin. I, I mean, I feel like this is his Becky Lynch moment, if you will. And I think he's going to do tremendous things. Do I think necessarily they're going to take the belt off him anytime soon? Absolutely not. I, in fact, think they're probably going to keep the belt on him until Josh Alexander gets back, which would only make sense. Josh had to relinquish the championship. He wasn't defeated. Macklin ends up winning that tournament. 
Therefore, it would set up, hey, I never lost it, but you know what? I want to take you on, and I think that would be a great, great feud. Uh, Brandon, jump in here on this one. Impact Wrestling, I mean, don't sleep on them because their matches are really, really good. The booking seems to be really, really strong as well, and it just seems like there's this level of maturity from them that we weren't necessarily accustomed to many years ago that all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute. They're definitely starting to be a really consistent program that is dominant. And they're doing sellout shows, especially in Canada. They are doing incredibly well at the venues that they sell out. Yeah. Uh, Scott Demore makes me a proud Canadian. I, I love team Canada. I was a big team Canada fan growing up. Uh, no, no bias or anything like that. I think, I'm shocked that AAW or WWE has not used Impact as an exact like feeder program like uh, Mr. Butt here was talking about. I know like WWE back in the 90s was giving ECW money to keep them afloat. And at the same time, like, oh, here are some of our lesser guys. Go work in ECW. Find a character like Al Snow did or uh, right. when they sent Just Incredible down. I'm shocked that one of the two big companies haven't done that with Impact. All this is not going to be there for long. I think all this is signed, I would imagine, probably the six-month contract or so, like Mia Yim did, like Taya Valkyrie did, where it's going to be a placeholder before they can jump to WWE or to, to AEW. I think the same thing is going to be for Trinity. I think she is going to be there for a small, you know, six, seven, eight-month run, and then she will go back to WWE or go, go to AEW. But Impact is... Impact has been really, really good lately, for sure. I think the one thing that I like a lot about Impact Wrestling is I like Tommy Dreamer as a person, but I think he brings a lot of he brings a lot of experience from backstage. A lot of people don't know this, but you know, talking to Jerry and Mikey over the years, Tommy was a very in the loop type of guy that was relied on a ton. He was really the company guy. He would carry the banner. He was so absolutely loyal to that product. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys knew about it, but Tommy said he went to a very dark place uh, after ECW officially was gone because just as much it was as Paul and Todd's baby, it was his baby as well. And I think Tommy just has so much experience being a producer and backstage with WWE and then obviously everything he had done with ECW and now bringing that experience to Impact Wrestling and our thoughts and prayers are still with him right now because there's a lot of things going on in his personal life. And hopefully at some point when he's ready to come back, uh, he definitely will because I think that locker room is better for having him. I think also Kazarian who was a part of AEW when it first started and now has gone back to impact wrestling from what I have heard. He's been really big backstage as well. And it seems like there's a lot of guys in impact wrestling that are willing to give back and it's not that this is my spot type of deal. PCO is willing to give back. So it's one of these neat things where the guys who had been stars for the last 20, 30 years are willing to still have a, a spot on the company or on the card, but willing to do what it takes to get that next level of generation of superstars over uh, while still making it a really competitive show. And I tell you what, I think right now... I know this sounds crazy, but let's say we could go back in time and we could say, okay, you know, Tony Khan could either buy Impact Wrestling or buy Ring of Honor. I think the the 
the best thing would have done would have bought by an impact. I don't necessarily think ring of honor is doing a whole lot from a financial perspective for Tony. And it's not doing a whole lot for the wrestling fans because you got to pay to watch the TV show. And then you also have to pay separately to watch the pay-per-views where I believe impact plus, if you are a member, you do get more perks. Is any, is anybody super familiar with impact plus? Never heard of it. Okay. Um, any thoughts? <laughs> any other thoughts on Impact Wrestling? I know Mickey James is out right now, injured. She's a big star. Do you think Mickey James is just as much cemented in Impact Wrestling as she is in WWE, or is it more WWE still? Impact, more Impact than WWE. To be honest with you, Brandon, what are your thoughts when when you think Mickey James? What company do you definitely see her solidified in more so? Uh, before her impact return, uh, in the last couple of years, definitely would have been WWE. I know she had that stint in impact in like 2010 ish to whatever. Uh, but no, she, she's impact through and through, uh, your, your topic about Tony Khan buying impact over ring of honor. I would agree with you only if Tony doesn't book it. If Tony bought it and let Scott run it, absolutely hundred percent agree. But if Tony bought it and did what he did with Ring of Honor, then it didn't matter which company he bought. It was going to be not very great. No, no, I agree with you completely. I think if you buy a company, you leave those people in charge, in charge, and you just make sure the books are are kept well, but you leave everything in place. Uh, it's the old adage, if you buy a restaurant, you don't change the name of the restaurant either. You leave it the same. That's what people know. You keep the right people in charge. Or if there needs to be some new, fresh minds, you go ahead and you staff it that way, but you can't be, or you can't think that you're the czar of everything. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where Tony Khan is. I think Tony, he thinks, and I'm not trying to put him down. Don't so don't think that I'm I'm disrespecting him, but I think he he puts a lot on his plate, but he doesn't have the longevity in the industry to know a whole heck of a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think he's got a wealth of knowledge around him. Now, whether or not he truly listens to all that. I truly don't know. Now, I have found out that if you you listen to some of the other podcasts, that Jericho is a person who's in Tony's ear a lot. So, at least we can say at least Chris Jericho is somebody is, you know, with Tony and at least talking to Tony and helping guide him. All right, moving on to something else that I find that is very interesting, uh, Mr. CM Punk has been going, making rounds to a lot of different promotions recently. He was backstage at last week's Monday Night Raw. Now, the story was that he and his wife had reservations to a restaurant, and WWE just happened to be in Chicago. He decided to stop by and say hi to some friends. Security is the one who actually let him into the building. He said hi to a few people. Allegedly, he went and talked to The Miz. He wanted to talk to Triple H. Uh, he then, from what we've heard, wanted to talk to Vince. Triple H said, I have to run it up the flagpole here. And Vince said no, and then actually wanted him to leave. Then he goes to Impact, and he's backstage at Impact Wrestling. And from what we're understanding right now, various outlets are reporting, he was backstage playing Uno, and he was in great spirits taking pictures with a lot of people. Um, what's the deal here with, with all of this? We're going to start off with, uh, the butster here. Is this all just trying to keep him relevant, keep his name out there, 
try to keep some buzz going until this big ultimate return comes because I'm just really confused. Is all of this necessary? It's not necessary. It's just being a knucklehead. You're under contract with, with AEW. Hey, we said this last week. You want to see your buddies in WWE? Cool. No problem. Or your buddies in Impact or your buddies anywhere else. That's fine. You can go back and see your friends that work in places. No issues with that. But I just see him as having an ulterior motive. I just it can't just be that cut and dry with him. I don't believe it. If it if it was just that clean, Vince wouldn't have told him to get out or had right. security tell him to get out. It's he there's something up his sleeve. I I just believe that because he's a scumbag. Do you think he's trying to, to kind of hedge his bets here as far as with this whole AEW thing, making him look like the martyr in some ways, you know, trying to make him look like, well, you know what? I am this good guy. Look, I go to these different companies. I'm well-liked backstage at these other companies. Do you think, and I'm kind of with you with what you're saying, there is something else to this story. It's more than just saying hello to friends. Uh, Brandon, jump in here. Um I don't know. I, I get it with AEW. A lot of people have freedom to do different things. Now, I believe it was SummerSlam when Ricky Starks actually ended up getting um, reprimanded to some degree. Now, to how far, I don't know. But when he was with Cody backstage and a fan caught a picture of that, I know that didn't go over well. But w- what is all of this going on? And is this a Tony Khan thing? Is this Tony and, and CM Punk trying to cook something up? Or... Is this all Phil by himself? I don't think it's a Tony Khan thing. I don't think he's involved. I also don't think Tony Khan should have been upset with Ricky Starks being at SummerSlam. We know that Adam Cole was, while NXT champ, was backstage at AEW events. They're going to mingle, and I think that's fine. Uh, I think the CM Punk stuff was blown out of proportion. I do like the spin of maybe, because the the rumors are that CM Punk and Chris Jericho are good and are on their way to potentially having a program and that the young bucks kenny omega camp maybe don't want to be involved with cm punk so if he's going to wwe and showing that he can make up with the miz he's showing people that he is capable of doing it so if it doesn't get made up between him and the bucks and omega then it's clearly the bucks and omega that can't handle cm punk maybe he's trying to do that mind trick um i don't know i I think we're at a point now with CM Punk where everybody's just jumping to such extremes, positively and negatively, over everything he does. Maybe he genuinely was just, hey, I'm in Chicago. WWE's in Chicago. I have friends there. It's, I mean, it's unlikely, but maybe that's what it is. I think the Impact thing, I don't know. The Impact thing's weird. I, he wrestled in Impact almost 20 years ago. I don't really see why he's there unless Mickey James was backstage. I don't, I don't see it, but it's, I mean, it's mind games with Tony. Maybe that's all it is, but I think Tony sometimes doesn't run the greatest uh, talent relations back there in AEW. So it's just another talent pushing their limits, which I find a lot of them do. So I, I don't know. Would you have seen if uh, Vince McMahon was in complete authority, a WWE guy ever going backstage to another company? I think, well, you did. You, you, we saw it. Like, we'd hear stories that Adam Cole was there. And I, I don't, if it was 90s Vince and it's WCW versus WWE, no. I don't, I don't think 
he would allow it. I think there would be maybe not a suspension, but there'd be some kind of penalty towards it. 2000s, 2010s, 2020s, Vince. I think now there's so many couples between like Rhea Ripley and, and Buddy Matthews there together. Like you're telling me that, Mer- well, Buddy Matthews and Andrade and Alistair and uh, Malachi Black, sorry, they were all at the WWE Hall of Fame. WWE yeah. did their job and tried to take them out of focus of cameras. I, I don't think it's as big a deal as people make it out to be. With Vince telling him to to you know take off from backstage, I think that's more of just they don't want Tony Khan banging on their door with some kind of lawsuit about you're infringing with my talent or something like that. So I think it's just a hey, good to see you, but you got to leave because we don't want the headache. Sure, could be. Do you think that at some point in time, um, however long this goes out to both of you guys uh, regarding CM Punk, however long his contract currently is? Um, and I know that some of the it, it could be extended based upon the time he's been out with injury. Once that contract's up, would they renew that contract again? Do you think at that point in time, in two to three years, whatever that may be, that CM Punk is still somebody that you want to have on the books as far as paying someone? Or do you think once this contract is done, uh, that's going to be that's probably going to be the end of his run? Which we'll start off with the butster on this one. That's it. Contracts up. He's kicking stones down the road. Barring they get all this backstage nonsense sorted out, but you got to think his contract's up in a couple of years. What's that going to make him? Late forties. So he's roughly forty, forty-one right now. Okay, so it's some mid forties, but you know, right. a lot of wear and tear on that body, though. Sure. Right. So he's he's already slowed down. Don't forget me. He did take six years off or eight years off, whatever it was. I don't know if that necessarily helped him or hindered him there. You know, six or eight years he wasn't getting beat up, but same time, he he was away. Right. Father time doesn't right. stop for anyone. So I, I would imagine his contract will be done with them just because of the way everything's gone. Uh, unless they can sort all this out, which I don't see happening because no, he's not going to change. He is who he is. He's, he's got his attitude, which is fine. We all do. But he's CM Punk, and that's the way it is. And if he doesn't get his way, he likes to throw a Jesus big hissy fit. And that's that. And it's not going to change. And people don't want him in the backstage now. So I just think they'll be done. They're going to write out his contract. You know, hopefully get something out of him. Hopefully it doesn't cause any more backstage drama. And then he'll be done. WWE, I could see give him another crack. I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't be shocked. But Brandon, let me throw it to you this way: Do you think he would be done after this current contract with AEW? Uh, it depends how much money he brings in. Uh, right in in wrestling, uh, you know AEW at the very start of the company always would get the cracks. All friends wrestling, right? Right. You had you had the Bucks and Omega and their crew, and there was definitely some people that were hired that maybe didn't need to be on TV and were there because they were friends. And I think that's a fact. I think there's not much you can dispute with that. And as the company matured, um, they were able to bring in your bigger name talent. And with doing that, you obviously have to cut some people. And I feel like that has rubbed some people the wrong way. The whole Colt Cabana thing, leading up to CM Punk, even before the rumors of CM Punk coming into AEW, 
Colt Cabana wasn't really on TV. You know, he was in uh, the Dark Order, but it was progressively like you'd see him one week and then he'd be gone for two months and he'd be back on another week. He wasn't wrestling much, but then everybody's going to jump to that. Oh, CM Punk's here. We got to get rid of Colt when simply it was just Colt getting phased out. If CM Punk is making the company money and if Tony McCon has matured to the point where he can actually handle behaviors, because I can tell you the Vince McMahon, if Vince McMahon was running it, that stuff wouldn't have happened. Yes, Sean and Brett pulled each other's hair, whatever it was, but they got into a ring and they wrestled. And until that happens for AEW, it makes Tony look minor league compared to Vince in that situation. Tony's got to figure that out. But if CM Punk is continuously bringing money, ratings have been lower without him than when he was there. So if that rumored Saturday show comes in and he's the main straight, I don't think they'd beat the Wednesday ratings just because of the time of the, the week. But if that Saturday show does better past the first month or so, because I imagine the first week when you know CM Punk is there, ratings are going to be pretty high. But after a month or two, if those ratings are still higher than the Wednesday show on a Saturday night, I think Tony's got to take a serious look at who his roster is and who actually is bringing in the money. Because we've seen that AEW has that core fan base of the 800 to 850,000 who are going to watch the show no matter what. Tony Khan could go out into the ring and dance for two hours and that 850,000 people are still going to watch it. Correct. Their problem is they're struggling to make that audience grow and CM Punk at least showed when he was there that that audience was bigger and he's been gone and it's, it's shrunk. So if he makes money, great. If he doesn't make any money or there's no growth, then yes, I see his contract coming up and he either not wanting to renew or Tony Khan just saying, okay, thanks for your time. You're out of here, but he will be back in WWE. Everybody comes back at some point. Um, whether it's a Hall of Fame, whether it's a quick, like, hey, here's a WrestleMania match, sayonara. But he'll be back at some point. Fair enough. Um, let's stay on the uh, the bandwagon of all of this. Can you actually blame anybody uh, backstage if they didn't want to work with him? Once again, we don't know all the details of what happened. Um, can you blame anyone? I mean, I know a lot of people have said, well, this is childish. And, you know, you should put it behind you. And you should do what's best for the company. But I'm just wondering, I mean, I know that there's some people who don't want to work with each other. And I think it's really interesting because you had that big feud with Matt, Hardy, and Edge, uh, and everything that was happening with Lita, if we all remember that. That was about as tumultuous as it could get. I mean, you know, as far as somebody being sidelined, hey, can you keep an eye on her? All of that was going on. They were able to make that end up working out. In some ways, I almost see that being a lot harder to overcome than something like this. Would you agree, Brandon? Yes and no. The, the problem is, is has CM Punk ever shown himself to be unprofessional inside the ring in a match? You can say maybe some of his comments have been unprofessional with the, the hangman stuff. But in a match, he's, to my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, he's never shown an ounce of unprofessionalism. I could understand if the Bucks... And Kenny were, you know, hesitant to do it. But if you're there to make money, you're there. Like the biggest match AEW could ever do right now would be CM Punk FTR versus the Bucks and Omega. That that would be huge. There's no bigger match in that company. And if they don't feel comfortable, then that is an issue that Tony's got to figure out. Because I don't know how you leave that money off the table. 
as for other talents, if they're lower on the card and they're refusing to work with Punk, I think that's just silly, whether you like him as a person or not. If you're a low man on the pole and you're like, hey, we want you to work CM Punk, I think you just, you know, nut up. You you don't complain. You do your five, six-minute match and you go to the back and you can then complain to your friends about how you don't like them. But as soon as that bell rings, you should be professional. And that's what it comes down to. We don't all like our coworkers, but you got to do it. So fair enough. It's it, it's interesting to to hear a different take. Buster, your thoughts. If I just me with my personality and temperament, if I didn't get along with him and we were in a, in a match, I'd probably be stiff for sure. Like I'm gonna lay one in. He's gonna get a punch square in the mouth. If I don't get along with him, it's just the way it is. I wouldn't want to work with him. If if once again, if we're on even playing field, right, or close to, I'm not interested. If you don't get along with somebody, you can't put off a good match. I don't care. You, you just can't because you don't like the person. Right. So you're just not nobody's that professional. It's just the way it is. If you don't like somebody, you don't like somebody. And you're not going to get along, and you're not going to be professional. And heaven forbid, if you're trying, and they land a shot that's a little bit snugger than you think it should have been, then they're going to give it right back. I know I am, anyhow. A lot of people would, and it just wouldn't work. Brandon, let me throw this at you. Uh, let's let's take the, the situation here and kind of roll reverse it. If Vince was sitting next to CM Punk and he said what he had said, would Vince have put up with that? It would have been shut down immediately. And, and that's the thing is, I think Tony Khan, from what I've read, from what I hear, I think he is a phenomenal human being. Yes. I think he, I think he is a phenomenal match booker. I don't think he's a good storyline booker. And I don't think he, I think he spends way too much time on Twitter. Um, I think... I know that if I worked for Tony Khan and I saw some of the tweets he was making, I would be embarrassed. And I'd be texting my WWE friends going like, oh my God, can you believe this guy? Tony needs, Tony's a rich kid and Tony probably hasn't been told no very often in his life. So when he sees these, these outbursts, he's just not used to it. He should have put his foot down. You can change the subject. You can tell, you know what? It would be awkward, but say, hey, time's up. CM Punk, go to the back. I'll deal with you later. Maybe you can turn it into some storyline there. But no, Vince McMahon would never have let that happen. Or if it did happen and he let it happen, then he would have immediately like turned it into some kind of story afterwards. You know, Vince, he would have done something crazy. But Tony's just not there yet. And I think that moment caused a lot of wrestlers and a lot of fans especially fans of cm punk and the bucks and omega to lose respect for tony khan as a boss if you did that with vince there'd be hell to pay vince would have lost his he would have shit a smurf he would have been furious I, i think the big point that i keep coming back to is i feel like he meaning punk feels like hey look man i've been to the land of the giants and and i know how to draw and it almost seemed to me it was a little condescending. You know what I mean? Well, we're, we're learning about this, you know, Tony. And it was almost as if he's like the biggest name that has ever stepped foot 
in in one of the rings. And I don't necessarily think that's necessarily true because unfortunately with a lot of North American wrestling fans, they don't watch a whole lot of New Japan. And, and I know that's kind of the big thing. All the real wrestling fans watch a lot of other things outside of maybe just mainstream WWE. But there's a lot of other things out there that people could be watching to be like, wow, this guy's really, really good. This guy's putting on great matches. But if all you do is watch what's happening in the States, it's kind of like you are limiting yourself. And there are a lot of talent there that it's like, well, wait a minute, dude. We've been we've been doing a lot of great things all over the world, you know, while you've been sitting at home. So don't discredit us and almost act like, well, I know how to do this thing because I've been to New York. And I feel like in some ways people act like that after they come from WWE. They almost have that belief system that they're indoctrinated in. This is how we do it. Uh, do you think there's any truth to that? Uh, I see it from both sides. Um, absolutely, I see it from your point of view. I think collectively, the three of us have to realize that not everybody watches as much wrestling as the three of us do. Um, as it, For a casual viewer, yeah, New Japan, that stuff's going to be hard to look for. I wasn't super familiar with Kenny Omega until... Um, AJ Styles was in the Bullet Club, and when AJ left, and I knew Kenny took over. So before that, I I I've heard the name, but I had no idea. The Bucks, I remembered as Generation Me from yep. from Impact. TNA. Yep, that, that was my knowledge to them. I see CM Punk's point. I I can see why he's hot because you know he was champion for a year in WWE at the time, and still to this day, WWE is the top show. You were trusted with the top title. You might not have been the main event of every pay-per-view, but you were a focal point for over a year. You wrestled The Undertaker. You wrestled The Rock. You had all those moments. So I can see it from his side. But then I can also see it from the Bucks and Omega where, you know, I personally am not the biggest fan of the three of them, but I respect what they've done. I respect everything, all the stuff they put up with. I respect that the fact that there are hundreds of thousands of people online that just hate their existence not necessarily what they do in the ring, but the fact that Kenny Omega breathes is an issue for them. That's crazy. And it's stupid. Like I said, I would never go out of my way to watch a Kenny Omega match. I don't want the guy to die. I don't want him to retire. I don't want him to do any of those things. But it's just... So I respect all those. But I think CM Punk did have a point, is AEW was... When they first started, obviously, there was so much hype. And everybody was like, oh, people are going to drop out of WWE. They're going to go to AEW. And then it kind of dwindled a little bit. And then CM Punk comes up. And then there was talks. Chris Jericho gets online and says, hey, we're going to beat Raw's rating in six months. Quote me. And they were so hot. They had CM Punk. They had Brian Danielson. They had Adam Cole all come in within months of each other. And then they floundered it. And then CM Punk comes back from injury to get injured again. <laughs> and then when he's off TV... You know, the the Bucks and Omega, they had their their shot, the spotlight. You know, they had those best of seven series with um, Pentagon and Phoenix and uh, Pac. But the ratings weren't there to support it. So if I'm CM Punk and I'm sitting at home, I'd be eating that muffin telling you, I told you so, Tony. And it sucks for, like, Mike, I can tell you're a huge Omega and Bucks fan. And I definitely can tell that you sway more into their camp. And I respect that. But at the same token, CM Punk's kind of proven the point in a sense is 
he's left the show due to injury, due to suspension, to whatever it is, and ratings have not been anywhere close to what they were when he was on the show. And that is not something we can argue. That is, you wait till that's Thursday fast. afternoon and you see the, the ratings guide, and that's just really? what it is. Are yep. the matches better without CM Punk? You can make that argument, absolutely. I could. I would say that the matches over the last three, four, five months have been a better standard than the matches that Punk had. But Punk draws the casual person in, and that's what AEW is lacking. MJF, I, I love MJF. He's not bringing the casuals in. I agree 100% with you on that. I, I think when it comes to CM Punk, he has more mainstream notor notoriety because they saw him in WWE, right? And I almost feel like he does bring in that aspect of it. Um, it just stinks because I feel like there's a lot of talented people within the company that aren't getting that exposure. And I'm wondering if it's because the company is so young. But once again, there's a lot of truth into the numbers don't lie. Thursday afternoon, if you see another 800,000 or 900,000, then it's, it, it, it is what it is, right? I just want to cut in real quick and then I'll shut up for a second. Sure. Is, is there these young wrestlers not getting exposure due to CM Punk's attitude or to the fact that Tony Khan just doesn't understand how to book long-term for these smaller guys? Like you had Wardlow white hot. Yes. The biggest star. And what do you do? You have him beat up a bunch of security guards and then he disappears. And you have, you know, you have the acclaimed, again, white hot. And then you have them drop the titles to the ass boys. And then they kind of just, you know, they're there. They're with Billy Gunn still. And that's the problem with Jay White comes in. And, you know, whatever the circumstances are with Jay White. And you have him do one match on Dynamite. And then he wrestles on Rampage. Like, you got to have some consistency there. Hobbs. Don't, don't get me started on Hobbs. So, I feel so bad for Willie Hobbs. Mm -hmm. But it's, I don't know. Tony Khan needs help. He needs to hire, I don't think Chris Jericho is the right guy to be in his ear all the time. And Chris has some good points, but you know what? You're, Chris is going to do whatever he can to make sure that he is in the spotlight. Adam Cole returns. Who's his first big feud? Chris Jericho. CM Punk's going to return. Who's probably going to be his first feud? Chris Jericho. So Tony needs some help for sure. No, no, I, I agree with that. I think Tony does definitely need somebody who has more experience, lineage. He could do very well with having a Tommy Dreamer or someone like that to be taking over, I mean, or at least being the right-hand man. I was always hoping Tony might, over time, start to realize that he can't do all these things, but it doesn't seem that that, that light bulb moment really hasn't quite happened yet. Like, oh, you know what? I really should rely on somebody. If I was entering an industry that I didn't know a whole lot about, I would probably hire the best people and then sit under their learning tree and have them bring me along instead of the other way around. But once again, you said it, and, and there was a very valid point. Maybe he's never heard that before. And when you've lived your entire life, and, and he's lived a pretty pretty nice life, maybe he's always heard yes. And I think sometimes that can be a problem because that can stunt your growth when it comes to business. Um, Butster, want to throw this out at you. 35,000 tickets have already been sold um, with pre-sale for Wembley Stadium. Now, for wrestling, it can hold up to 90,000. SummerSlam, I want to say, did a little over 80. Mm -hmm. um, 
you had told me in a previous episode you thought that they could probably do 50 to 55. Are you still in that range, your belief? Yep, 50, 55 tops. So you think after this initial 35 big buzz that things will start kind of cooling down a little bit? Guaranteed. Do you think, even though no matches have been announced so far, I mean, do you think once some matches start to become announced, that could pick it back up? Or do you think no matter what the heck they put out there, 50 to 55, there's your there's your glass ceiling for them? I mean, once you start announcing matches, sure, you're going to sell some more seats. I legit think they're going to sell another fifteen to 20000 but it's not going to be more than that. Barring... They just put off this ridiculous greatest wrestling super show there's ever been, which I'm sure they're going to try. But I don't know. I just can't see him drawn more than 50-55. I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't see it happening. That's a big gate. You got to think about it. It is a big gate. That's big time. It's a big, big deal. Brandon, let me throw it over to you. Um, I know we're, we're talking heavy on the AEW side. We're, we're going to switch the page here. But do you think, what what do you think they could potentially do? What do you think their max capacity could be in Wembley? I would not be shocked if they hit 70s. And, and the reason for that is I don't know if AEW itself is the draw versus a giant wrestling show in Wembley, you know, impact when, when they were having struggles in the U S they would go over to, to Europe, to the UK a lot, and they would have great house shows. They would have great TV shows that UK, that European audience is just, they just want wrestling. Um, the balls on Tony Khan to do the Wembley stadium as his first show, in that area is huge and kudos to him. But I think WWE would have matched. I think I would be shocked if they didn't hit 70,000. And I think that would be a disappointment if they didn't. Cause I think either of those two companies could easily do it no matter what the matches are. Um, and AEW is going to go all out Goldberg. Maybe he's on the card. Maybe they get Mercedes on the card. Um, it's going to sell well. I, I don't see them getting less than 70 or something severely goes wrong. Interesting. We'll have to keep updating with that. Once again, pre-sale 35,000 tickets are already sold. Um, uh, I want to get kind of an interesting topic here because a lot of people have been chiming in on this topic. And the Britt Baker t-shirt, they say a lot of people are saying it's uh, supporting domestic violence. I want to tell you, the first time I saw that, I thought, this is crazy. Britt Baker had a shirt where she was bleeding from the mouth. That sold very well after she had a match with Thunder Rosa, which was extremely violent. Um, this was nowhere near that. That wasn't even close to being a, a brutal thing. Butster, I, I know you're kind of groaning over here. What do you think about the people who are saying, you know what, that's uh, domestic violence. Uh, we can't be promoting shirts like that. What do you say to that? Shut up. You're an idiot. It's nonsense. It's not promoting domestic. It's not like it came out and it said something obnoxious like, hey, go slap the shit out of your wife. No, that's promoting domestic violence. That makes you a scumbag. This is not promoting domestic violence. It happened. 
in a match, everyone doesn't need to be a cause. Everybody doesn't need to get their panties in a bunch over everything. For the love of God, can we give up with this nonsense at this point? This is just look. This is people looking to be pissed off about something. Listen, settle down. Move out of your parents' basement. Give up your bullshit. Stop getting wound up over nonsense like this. Foolishness. Fair enough. Uh, Brandon, your take on this t-shirt scandal. Is it a scandal or is it a whole bunch of nothing? I I think there's a there's a long history of terrible wrestling t-shirts. Uh, AJ Styles had the famous looks like it's jizz print shirt from Impact. Uh, there's the Sin Cara penis t-shirt. This is one of the worst t-shirts I've ever seen. Um, really? I don't, I don't necessarily think it's uh, promoting domestic violence, but who in their right mind would buy a shirt with a woman on it with a black eye? And, she, she, you know, she looks sad. It's not like she's yeah. smiling, thumbs up. Who would buy that and wear that? And that's the issue. Incredibly dumb. I, like, and, and, yeah, like I said, I agree with, with, with Chris. Here, I don't necessarily think it's like, oh, if you wear the shirt, you want to go hit women. But I just don't see a situation where you would wear it out in public, where you could wear it out in public. Because the average person on the street that doesn't watch wrestling, who doesn't know who Britt Baker is, but just sees a pretty woman on your shirt with a black eye with no messages anywhere on the shirt, what are they going to say? And then you have to sit there and awkwardly explain, well... My favorite wrestling TV show, this woman got a black eye, and I just think it looks badass. Like, that's so incredibly stupid. I I know they did the blood shirt, which I also think was stupid. I don't think that's needed on a T-shirt. I don't know. It's not for me. Chris, if you want it for your birthday or something, I can hook you up, but you're going to look like a knob wearing it. <laughs> of course, when I take my headphones out, you say something. And I see Knucklehead start laughing, so I missed the whole thing. I'll tell you real quick. If you want to wear that stupid Britt Baker shirt, I'll buy it for you, but you're going to look like a knob wearing it. Hey, I never said I'd wear it. I'm just saying people are overreacting over foolishness. No, it's I think... Just, this is just dumb. I just don't understand how that gets past AEW's marketing. I don't understand who thought was like, hey, this is a great idea to put on a t-shirt to sell to those guys sitting in your mom's basement. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. But they don't if, hire me. If it, if it was a guy, Kenny Omega, same picture, black eye, is it a big deal? Right. And it should be, in theory. But the the, the problem is, is in, in society, there's a lot more domestic abuse against women than there is men. There's definitely some against men, for sure. But if I was walking down the street and I saw a person wearing a shirt with a man and a black eye, my instinct, my first thought would be, this is some kind of fighter. This is some kind of wrestler, whatever it is. Unfortunately for myself and a lot of people on the street, if we saw a shirt with a woman with a black eye frowning, it's not like she's smiling thumbs up, but if she's frowning, my first thought is, oh, I'm going to look at the guy's, the back of the guy's shirt and it's going to be some kind of PSA for domestic abuse. I'm not going to think, oh, that's a wrestler. And I think that's the issue with the shirt is you know where the shirt came from. You're an AEW fan. You're a wrestling fan. But 
Mrs. Johnson down the street is just going to see a woman with a black eye frowning on your shirt. And that's, that's dumb. There doesn't need to be that. And I think whoever buys that shirt is incredibly stupid. I just, I don't even know what a knob is, but I, <laughs> oh my God, is that a Canadian thing? Uh, apparently. Well, there's two ways you can look at it. You can think of a, the, the male body part, or you can think of a doorknob, either or. Okay. Gotcha. It's nothing oh, to do with the doorknob. Oh, uh, <laughs> you're just a knob. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, moving on from the t-shirt, some other happier news. It's been recently reported that Carmella and Corey Graves are expecting a baby together. Yahoo News is reporting Carmella shared the happy news about her pregnancy on Good Morning America on May the 1st, saying her pregnancy is a really good start so far, and she's actually due before Thanksgiving. Now, speaking about how Corey Graves reacted to the news, Carmella would go on to say he was completely shocked and surprised. He was so excited, and from the get-go, when I told him we both really had positive outlooks on everything right now. Carmela went on to describe finding out that she was pregnant in March as a whirlwind. She would go on by saying, I think because of my past, it was hard to get excited off the bat on this one, but I was cautiously optimistic. Um, Let's talk about this for a second here. So first of all, congratulations on their uh, upcoming child. I think that's wonderful. Having gone through that experience, I think it's amazing. And if you haven't had it, um, I definitely think it's it's something that's awesome. Now, let's talk about these two individuals. Do we think that when we look at Carmella as a as a WWE performer, a WWE superstar, and this will probably go to Brandon first, where do you feel like she kind of falls here within the levels of, man, I can't wait to see a match with Carmella in it? Um, I don't think there's anybody other than her family, Corey Graves, that is like, oh, I can't wait to see Carmella. I think Carmella is a fantastic personality. Uh, I love the Staten of uh, or the the Princess of Staten Island gimmick. I like that. The most beautiful woman in the world was overplayed. Whatever. I think she's a great personality. I was kind of excited to see where she would go with Chelsea Green. I think Sonya has kind of went into that role perfectly fine. But no, there's. Off the top of my head, I can't think of some stellar Carmella match. The ones I do think of involve James Ellsworth. There's nothing like just Carmella. I'm super happy for her. Congratulations to them both. Uh, the stuff that they both dealt with, Carmella specifically dealt with uh, in the past year, losing a child and all of that stuff. Like, good. Good that they were able to get this going, and I wish them nothing but the best. But, no, I'm not super stoked to see her at wrestling. Um, but I'd love to see her back on TV. Let's let's talk a little bit about Corey Graves, too, because I, I will admit I was one of those that wasn't that excited about him becoming an announcer. Um, and I've kind of changed my tune on that one. Corey Graves is a damn good announcer, and I really feel like he's really honed his craft a lot in the, in the last several years. I almost feel like he's somebody that is a staple now of WWE. And I mean, he's been doing it for a while. We did recently hear there were rumblings of, he might try to get back into wrestling itself. Um, I still think his place and he's best suited is behind the microphone where he is giving descriptions and he's describing things. 
Buster, let me ask you this. When it comes to Corey Graves as an announcer, I mean, this is going to sound crazy, so just bear with me on this one. Would you start to put him in the category, maybe uh, if he's there for a long time, of a monsoon? What are you on if you're going to put him in the same category as monsoon? I'm just throwing it out there because no. I feel like he's doing a, a good job. Now, I'm not the same way about Michael Cole at all. He's gotten way better than he was. Agreed. Uh, I think any fan will agree he's gotten way. He was god-awful. He's gotten much better. He's he's no legend. Like He's nothing. I don't, I don't think he's any better than Michael Cole. Do you think he's going to be in the broadcast booth? Because Michael Cole has actually hinted around about when he may retire. Um, I definitely see Corey Graves sticking with uh, broadcasting in WWE. I literally, because of his age, I think that he could really be the face of the announcings for a very long time to come. Um, I know you're not thrilled about the monsoon comparison. Once again, I said I'm going out on a limb on this. Brandon, jump in on this one. Do you feel like he has the potential to become even more um, well-known and respected in WWE as his longevity continues? Yeah, not Monsoon level. Um, looking back, Monsoon had the perfect partners. Uh, Monsoon himself maybe wasn't the greatest commentator, but he had that combination with Bobby, with Ventura, which made him great. Um, Corey's not going to touch him, and part of the reason for that is there's nobody else in wrestling that is as good or close to Ventura or as Bobby that he can kind of bounce off of. Corey Graves is really good in NXT. Uh, I, that's where a lot of people started falling in love with him. You know, he was kind of snarky, had the jokes, had the pop culture stuff. Really, really good. When he came up to the main roster, obviously Vince gets in your ear, and then it became a lot of, he's kind of a dick. He was bullying, you know, Byron, and Jonathan Coachman was on record saying, no, he was kind of terrible to me. And all of this stuff. The Kevin Patrick kid on on Raw is not very good. Um, they're still trying to find footing. WWE misses Pat McAfee. I think Pat McAfee brought out the best of Michael Cole. And Michael Cole has been very, very good since Vince left. Um, and you get shades of good Michael Cole. They did a NXT special in Japan. The Beast in the East special. Or no, it was just a WWE show. But Kevin Owens and Finn Balor wrestled on it. And he was really good during that. Because Vince wasn't in his ear. Um, no, Corey Graves will be remembered as a good commentator. Maybe he reaches great, but I don't think he'll ever be top five or anything like that. Interestingly enough, uh, I wonder if he would ever, if he did get cleared to go back and wrestle, if he would go to wrestling or if he would stay where he does very well in broadcasting. What would you recommend to him? Let's say he got medically cleared. Would you say, you know what, go for it? Or would you say, man, this is your bread and butter right here. I know it might not be what you want to hear, but I think this is where you're best suited. Can he do both? Because I don't think there's anybody clamoring for Corey Graves to do. You know, in, when he was on NXT wrestling, he was it was always the joke that he was CM Punk light. He had all the tattoos, had kind of the same <laughs> hairstyle, the knuckle tattoos, everything. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a single person on this planet outside of Carmella and Corey Graves is like, oh, I can't wait to see Corey Graves back in there. However, 
you could, if he's medically cleared, I mean, Pat McAfee wrestled Jerry Lawler, you know, all throughout the two thousands, you knew once or twice a month, Jerry Lawler was going to, you know, take off the jacket, drop the strap, and he was going to defend JR. I wouldn't have a problem if there was a heel that, you know, is being rough on Kevin Patrick and, you know, you get Corey Graves to finally stand up and shove the heel down and it leads to a match, but Corey doesn't need to be there full time. I don't, I don't see a reason for it. I don't necessarily think that he necessarily needs it, like believes that it needs to be full time, but a match or two here and there. I want Wade Barrett back wrestling. If we're going to pick one commentator that hasn't wrestled, let him get back in the ring. But nah, Corey, stick to announcing you can wrestle once or twice a year. I'm with you on that one. Um, another big story that has been that just actually recently broke was MLW, uh, the uh, the company were on their network. Uh, MLW recently inked a deal with Fight, so their company is going to be putting on their shows on Fight TV much better than what they were before. I want to say they were on Reels, and I want to say at one point in time. I don't want to say HBO, but I want to say they were with another on-demand type of uh, platform. I'm not sure how familiar either one of you guys are about MLW, but they got a really good roster here. Um, Alex Hammerstone, if you haven't seen him before, Alex Hammerstone does a lot of shows with AAW, which is in Chicago as well. Shout out to them. He does a lot of stuff. Jacob Fatu is tremendous. Uh, John Hennigan is the national uh, openweight champion there. Taya Valkyrie is on MLW. Mance Warner, who once again does a lot of AAW stuff. Lindsay Dorado, who we've interviewed before, works for them as well. Calvin Tankman. So many different people are on MLW. I feel like the show's got a really good look. I just feel like not a lot of people, much like Impact Wrestling, get to see it. How much do you guys uh, follow or have kind of kept up with the inner workings of MLW and specifically why in the world has Alex Hammerstone not been looked at more seriously from WWE because he's got the body, he's got the look, he can talk, he can wrestle. I'm really surprised as the fact that he might not necessarily have fallen on their radar. Uh, either one of you guys can jump in on this one. I don't think we can get MLW up here. Can we? Uh, they used to, I used to watch it on YouTube. Um, but I don't know if it was like, this was last night's episode or last week's, or this was yeah. six months ago, whatever more wrestling on TV is always the better, always better. Um, so, Hey, if they get signed some deals, they get on it more as for Hammerstone. I'm not super familiar with his work. I've seen some matches I saw, uh, when he, he won the title from Fatu, right? Jacob Fatu, uh, correct. Yeah, so I, I believe I saw that match, and I saw there was some giant, like, 60-man Royal Rumble thing. The Blue Meanie was in it. I saw that. Yep. Um, is, I, I don't know, is he too big? Is he, like, a Brian Cage-type big where you're kind of questioning it? Is, is that a possibility? He's slimmed down a lot. He actually does bodybuilding as well. So he, he's in that category of Jordan Grace as well. He has cut weight. He used to be, I wouldn't say quite the size of Brian Cage, but he's very agile. He's a big guy. He can come off the top rope, but he can also uh, mat wrestle you as well. 6'2", 250. Um, he's been in the industry for about a decade now. It just surprises me when you look at him. I mean, he screams WWE. I mean, he would be somebody that Vince McMahon absolutely would be in love with. 
But I wonder if WWE really wants to focus on just bringing NIL, NXT, those types of guys, or if they are still in the open market of looking at other locations to bring talent in as well. But Alex Hammerstone, I do not know how he has not been looked at for at least a, a larger promotion because, as we know, there's only so many bumps on your bump card, right? you got to definitely maximize your money. And he has what it takes. And I'm just, I'm just surprised when you look at everyone who's out there as far as heavyweights or Jacob Fatu for that reason. I'm not really quite sure why that hasn't quite worked out either. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my take. And I guess that's my big shock right now is that Alex Hammerstone still has not been a part of a larger promotion. Was Jacob Fatu not in developmental at one time? WWE developmental? Um. That's a great question. I want to say he might have for a very short stint, um, but I'd have to look that up to see as far as maybe when that was. If I remember, doesn't uh, Fatu have some criminal past? Something. And I think that's what's preventing him to be with WWE. Um, I think there was something, I don't know, as a teenager, as a young adult that he got in trouble with. And I think that's kind of prevented WWE from... Sonny, I don't know how he's not in there now with all the bloodline stuff, but. Okay, here is what happened. Uh, Fatu was arrested for robbery when he was 18 years old. He credits seeing his cousins, the Usos, uh, on TV when he was in jail as his inspiration to become a wrestler. Uh, Fatu is a member of the Anoa'i family wrestling dynasty, um, and he's the son of Sam Fatu. Um, as of 2019, Fatu has six children so i mean once again he is if that happened when he was 18 years old i think at some point in time you got to let things go For i mean sure. he's, but, he's but, 31 uh, years old but they let jimmy drive still well Jay and see that's the other thing that's that the thing is about wwe that kind of gets me is it's kind of like and maybe I'm wrong about this, so please correct me if I'm wrong. But it seems like, well, there's these rules, but depends on who you are when it comes to enforcing these rules. For example, originally it was like marijuana, no-go, right? Now all of a sudden they're like, well, we're going to be a little bit more looser on the marijuana aspect of it, whatever, on that one. But I mean, with the Usos, the drinking and driving, I mean, he was never even punished. And it was like, that's a little surprising. That's kind of a big deal. And I don't know. I'm just kind of taken back by that whole concept of they pick and choose when it comes to enforcing some of these rules. But Jacob Fatu, I, I think you got to let the past be the past. He's an incredible talent. Um, and he's part of that family. I mean, man, you could have worked him into the bloodline. I mean, he's a monster. He's fantastic. I just don't understand why, once again, maybe some of these guys are not part of their uh, part of their radar. As far as looking at things, if if Triple H is looking at different people, then Jacob Fatu definitely has to be somebody to bring in. Could be crossing the border issues too. If he's got a record, maybe it's that's part of it. I I don't know. I'm just throwing different ideas out there. That could be part of the problem. Maybe he's just just not interested in playing simple. 
It could be. Um, right now, if you are wanting to watch MLW, they are currently on Reels. Uh, they're also on Sky, on Fight Plus as well. Uh, as um, we had mentioned before, they're on YouTube as well and be in sports as well. You can catch them. Check your local cable companies for time and availability in your area. You can follow them over at MLW on Twitter and I believe Instagram as well. So congratulations to MLW getting a new television deal because once again, reaching a larger audience is really what this is all about, right? I mean, I think we'd all agree getting exposure for this talent to be able to be seen is the, is the most important thing so they can continue to grow, get better and obviously make more money. That is true. All right. Let me scroll down my list of things. Uh, as I'm taking a look at some of these things, what, um, what is something else that's on your mind, Butster, that you've noticed recently in wrestling that's an interesting uh, thing that's kind of piqued your interest? I don't remember if we talked about this last week or not, Mike. The Dax Hardwood people threatening his family and stuff. Did we talk about this last week? I don't remember now. Um, I don't know if we necessarily went into it. We did talk about how he decided to end his podcast because of the things that his daughter uh, was actually going online and reading of what people were saying uh, about Dax. I am actually pulling up some information about that. And as I'm doing that, let me throw it to Brandon as well. Have you heard anything uh, more about the Dax podcast ending? He was doing it with a guy I am super familiar with. It's Matt Kuhn. And Matt Kuhn obviously did uh, a show with Vince Russo. And Matt walked, stepped away from that. Matt has sit under the learning tree of the Conrad Thompson model, which I'm all, I also sat under that tree as well and worked with him. Um, so he's definitely a great producer. He's huge in music and he's done a fantastic job. And I think it's just a damn shame that this podcast didn't really get as much longevity uh, for some of these really, really disturbing reasons why, but Brandon, what was your what was your take on this as far as the podcast ending? Yeah, uh, the podcast ending itself, I think I'm actually kind of happy it ended, and I'll tell you why in a second. The reason if the reason he stated it ending, that sucks. Um, unfortunately, if you are a celebrity status, you're going to deal with the best of the fans and the worst of the fans. You're going to deal with trolls. Nobody should have to be told I'm going to kill your family or stuff like that. Ridiculous. I don't think a current wrestler on a mainstream show should have a podcast where they're talking about behind the stage stuff. Kayfabe or not didn't make a lot of sense when you're everybody and their mom knew that they had probably re-signed with AEW. So when you're going on that podcast to go, well, here's all the reasons I don't like WWE, but maybe I'll go back. It's just annoying the fan base, right? Like, Again, you might get one person that goes, oh, well, maybe they actually will go back. But majority of people are like, no, they, they're staying around. He had this stuff where he's like, well, I didn't really like the pinnacle because MJF was too focused on himself. Well, why are you saying that? You're, you're on TV with this guy. And I don't know if it was some ruse between Tony Khan and Dax to like, because Tony lets them do the whole work shoot stuff all the time. I don't know if it was something kind of bleeding the lines between that, but he didn't need the podcast. I think it made him 
less liked in wrestling. Uh, on Reddit, anytime any of his posts got posted, it was just a lot of people saying, oh, there's, uh, there's Dax whining again. There's Dax saying stuff that isn't needed to be said. Oh, how's Dax going to spin this about him? Is he going to go cry about Bret Hart again? Like, it's just, I think he's a very fragile guy. And it sucks that people took advantage with that, with saying awful things about his his family. But Yeah, I think it's, um, even though we know Kayfabe is, is dead and it died a long time ago, I still think there has to be some level of professionalism where you do not talk about certain things. It should just be an understood thing. Does that make sense? Like, you know what? What happens at work kind of stays at work. And even though it may get a lot of clicks and it may get more downloads, is it necessarily something that puts me in the best light? And I I think you're right when it comes to people who say these different things and whether or not it's genuine or they're trying to play that whole work shoot thing. You got to be really careful with that stuff, because like you said before, it can definitely uh, backfire on you. And I think in some regards it did. It just sucks because I have such a great amount of respect for Matt Coon. And if anybody's listening to this, um, Mike Freeland's a big fan of Matt Coon and he has always treated me so well. And uh, he actually was the person who produced their very first uh, theme music uh, when they were at Daly's place and um, just really a big fan. And I, and I hope that he, ends up getting another show with somebody because there's very few people that I think do podcasts as well as Matt Kuhn does. So that's my, uh, that's my take on that one. Um, something else I want to talk about and and I don't know if anybody's really heard about this, but do you guys hear about Scott Hall's son end up, uh, he ended up breaking his leg. Did anybody hear about that one? No. Yeah. I'm going to pull this up here. Um, so for those of you who may or may not be familiar, Cody Hall is the son of legendary wrestler and the late Scott Hall. Now, Cody Hall, in my opinion, really doesn't get a lot of credit um, because he lo- he did a lot of his stuff over in Japan and he was part of Bullet Club as well. So he's done a lot of, of good stuff and I think he's a good wrestler. I don't think he's necessarily a bad hand. I just don't know if either one of the companies has seen a lot in him to think that they're going to invest in him. But uh, this is by Thomas Lawson of E-Wrestling News. Cody Hall, the son of Scott Hall, uh, is living life and may have left wrestling behind, according to two-time WWE Hall of Famer Kevin Nash. In 2016, Hall suffered a neck injury that forced him to miss over a year in ring. Now, the second-generation wrestler hasn't wrestled since 2020. During the latest edition of the Click Podcast, Nash explained that Hall suffered a broken neck back in 2016 and has soured him on wrestling. Cody's just living his life right now, trying to piece everything together. He misses the wrestling business, that I know. He had a pretty bad injury over in Japan where he broke his neck, and I think he's soured uh, on the wrestling industry as far as coming back. When asked about the possibility of Cody coming back to the United States and joining either WWE or AEW, Nash acknowledged, unfortunately, the clock is ticking, he said right now. He's getting old, you know. He's like 33. He'd have to jump on that pretty soon. So I do stand correct. It wasn't a broken leg. It was a broken neck. Um, A lot of times I feel like it's interesting. I feel like there can be people that are second generation wrestlers who thrive and do very, very well. 
And I feel like it's it's harder for them. And a lot of people say, well, you're the son of, of Mr. Perfect. So, you, you know, obviously you're going to get a lot of opportunities. I don't think Curtis Axel got a whole lot of opportunity to uh, be as big as his father was. Yes, he did get opportunities, but a lot of times the second generation wrestlers never really quite live up to what their parents were. Um, Ted DiBiase, obviously, uh, we know that Ted DiBiase Jr. right now is embroiled in a big scandal that's happening down in Mississippi right now with um, financial, I don't know if it's laundering of money, uh, funds as well. That's not going uh, his way. So there's a lot of things when it comes to being a second generation wrestler. Let me throw it to both of you guys. When it comes to someone like a, a Cody Hall, second generation, who do you think has really shined the best or um, had the most success as a second generation wrestler? We'll start off with the Butster. The Rock. He did half decent for himself, you could say. Yeah, um, I definitely think he did pretty well. He, he did pretty good. Um, Cody's done well. Dustin's done well. Of course, I'm having a complete brain cramp right now. Those, that's the names that pop into my head first. There's a laundry list of guys that didn't do so well. Unfortunately, that list is probably a little bit longer. Well, and that's what I was going to say. So, I mean, when we talk about people who probably haven't had the fortunate success that their fathers did, um, and I hate to throw Curtis Axel in there because it was an intercontinental champion at one point in time. But, I mean, I, yeah, there's there's some, some names that do come up that you look at the situation, you go, man, I just don't know. Brian Pillman Jr. right now. I think he's got all the talent in the world. I just don't think he has the personality. And I think, on the other hand, the original Brian Pillman had a lot of charisma and personality, and he was pretty good at wrestling as well. So you have Brock Anderson. I mean, he's Arne Anderson's son, but do we really think Brock Anderson is has what it takes to become a big star? And And I don't necessarily see that. Brandon, is there anybody who you think, A, has really embraced that uh, role very well? I mean, I know um, a lot of people don't like him. I'm not a big necessarily fan of him. But Dominic Mysterio has actually done really, really well. Um, and I think he's been guided very well. Do I necessarily like him? Do I think his matches are great? No. But I think right now, currently in today's wrestling, he's actually holding his own pretty well. I mean, not everybody can be Eric Watts or David San Martino, but <laughs> I was thinking of Eric Watts. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think Dom is fantastic. I mean, somehow Chris left out Randy Orton and Charlotte Flair and Mister oh, Perfect, a second generation. Mister, uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Forget Ted DiBiase Jr., but Ted was a second generation yeah. to his father. Yes, mother and his father. I want to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Anyways, uh, there's. There's so many. Um, it is crazy to see how many flame out. Like you do have, like, just even if you look at the Flair family, you have Charlotte, who's will go down as one of the best female wrestlers or wrestlers of all time. And then you have David Flair, who, you know, sat around in WCW, was with Crowbar and Daphne, and then nothing, right? It's hard. I, I would not want to be a second generation star getting into wrestling. I think if my dad was a wrestler, I probably wouldn't want to get into the business because I think it's just it's too much. Yes, you get those extra chances like Randy, 
probably should have been fired in the early 2000s. But, you know, you had Cowboy Bob there shaking his cast at Vince, keeping him his job. Like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to be it, but there are some good ones. There are some bad ones. There's some that should have been good, like Tessa Blanchard, who shit the bed on that one. But God, Tessa <laughs> did herself in. It wasn't that she couldn't wrestle. She just wasn't a great person. No, not at all. She wasn't even a good person. No. <laughs> She's just barely worse than you. Wow. <laughs> Does that mean he's a knob still? Still a knob. How, how did this turn on me? I've this is nice fantastic. I love this. Jesus Christ. This was my last show. Um <laughs> yep, so, yep. I, I I don't know. I just I find it to be very, very interesting how when we look at these wrestlers, I wonder maybe some of us have unrealistic expectations. Sometimes I feel like we do. Like we look at what their parents were and we say, oh, wow, they're going to be great. And I feel like sometimes there's a lot of undue pressure that gets put on them to live up to something that's not really fair. They should be able to be their own person. But that's just kind of the nature of the business. I mean, once again, if you have a, a family name it's going to make it even harder for you because they're going to say, well, your brother or your sister, your uncle fill in the blank really caught onto this pretty quickly and X, Y, and Z, and you don't want to bring the family name down. So I think it's a, it's definitely a struggle for them psychologically. And I think sometimes you just can't overcome that. And I think all that mounting pressure starts to build on you and that affects your in-ring performance and that affects your abilities to maybe cut promos and whatnot. So I don't know. I feel like um, I feel like if he's out right now, maybe it's best that he stay out because I don't think it's going to get necessarily any easier. And I also have a big problem. Let me ask you both this: with when Jimmy Anvil Nyhart passed away, they worked his death into a storyline with Natalia, and I feel like I don't like it when they do that. And I feel like if he did come to WWE. Maybe not with Triple H in charge, but let's say it was Vince. Do you guys feel like he would handle it tastefully, or do you think they would throw Scott's name out there and the drinking and the pills and, and all of that kind of stuff, or do you think that they would have stayed away from that now that time has changed and maybe some people have matured in WWE? I don't think they'd bring up the drinking and the pills. I, I think those bringing that up, that won't happen anymore. It'll definitely get brought up. A Scott Hall's young fellow. Well, of course it will. But I don't think they'd go that route. Not now. No, well, ten or fifteen years old. Yeah, probably. But you, you just can't. Not with society the way it is. And it's probably for the best. You don't bring that stuff up. Come on. That's that's just that's gutless. Brandon, what's your thoughts? Do you think? Do you? Are you? If the talent's okay with it. Do you think that makes it okay, or do you think there's a certain level of, you know what, shouldn't be bringing that stuff up? Uh, I think it depends. I think Natalia's situation, if I remember correctly, it led to a Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet heel turn. I think it was uh, Mercedes was off TV for a while. Natalia came out to do the thanks for, you know, all your kind words, and then got attacked by Sasha, which – Maybe not the greatest thing in the world, but it was something that people remembered, which I, is ultimately what you're going for. As for Cody Hall, I think it depends on how he's received when he arrives. 
in WWE or in AEW. Um, when Braun Breaker debuted in NXT, it wasn't unless you were reading dirt sheets or online, you didn't know he was a Steiner until several months into his run when they started to acknowledge that on TV. So I would imagine that's probably what they would do in this hypothetical situation where Cody comes in. Um, you'd have him debut, see how the fans take to him. And if, hey, they like him, he's doing well. Then you throw in Scott Hall's name. You don't, I agree with with Mr. Butt here. You don't, uh, you don't come in and say, oh, Scott had alcohol issues, drug issues. Can Cody overcome them? Is he going to be in the same path? I don't think you do that. But you definitely acknowledge him once he's, got his foot in the door. I don't think you start hyping him up as Scott Hall's kid because you're automatically putting him behind the the eight ball. So, um, I want to go ahead. I, a couple other things I want to talk about. Um, getting back to WWE again here. We do know that normally after WrestleMania, you do end up getting WWE cuts. Now, Want to go ahead? I want to ask our resident WWE guy and Butster. You can jump in here as well. I'm not as affluent with some of this WWE, so I want to get your opinion. They recently had an interview, and we talked about this. I want to say it was on last week's episode that Nick Khan said yes, he could definitely see them leaning out the roster. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, leaning out the roster, maybe making some cuts. They want to make sure when this sale is officially everything's gone through that they're lean and mean and, you know, really good in the financial books. And obviously that does entail maybe some people getting let go. Do you foresee WWE, uh, first of all, making cuts? And if you do, who do you think could be on the chopping block uh, who are expendable uh, at this point in time in WWE? Yeah. Um, from my understanding, the way uh, Nick Khan worded it, and you know he's a master at that, is to me it sounds like it's going to be more of the business, the office people that are going to get cut as opposed to the talent. I don't – Unless something drastically goes wrong or, you know, Vince is in total, complete control and Triple H is gone, I don't think we're going to see the days of here's 15 talent fired on a Wednesday. I don't think we're going to see that. I think you're going to see more of what happened with Roderick Strong, who debuted in AEW last week, is they found out that his contract came up in November and nobody knew. He just left and him and Tony worked something out and whatever. I think you'll see that. As for talent on the chopping block, it's obviously going to be people that you don't see much anymore. Um, Aaliyah, who was tag champions with Raquel, she was injured back in the fall. From my understanding, she's been ready to go now for months. She could be on the chopping block. Uh, you've got, I don't know if you guys remember Shanky, who used to be with Jinder, who would dance. He's yeah, probably on the chopping block. You, you might see... You might just see people's contracts run out. Like, I don't know how much time Dolph Ziggler has left on his contract, but if he's got a year left, maybe it's just a, hey, Dolph, at the end of the year, do you want to do training in NXT? Help out talents? No? Okay, well, thank you for everything you've done over the last 10 years, 15 years. Have at it. Good luck. I think you'll see that. I don't think we're going to see a max mass uh, release party. And now that I said it, Two weeks from now, you'll have me on this again, and we'll talk about the 15 wrestlers release. But no, we won't. Don't worry about that. It's because I'm not invited back. <laughs> exactly. 
I don't know. I just I'm always leery every time I think WWE has turned the page. I feel like sometimes they don't, and I feel like Vince is getting a little bit more uh, control as he goes along here. Once again, he signed himself to a two year contract, and when you look at uh, the creation of this new company between WWE and uh, UFC, he seems to be front and center as far as being in charge and. I feel like he is going to be working his way more and more back into it. If it's not really happening now, even though it's not necessarily being reported, I just feel like Vince, Vince is upset and Vince is on a revenge tour in some ways, because think about it. Nick Khan, Stephanie, Triple H, uh, all uh, signed a letter basically saying it wasn't in their best interest to bring him back again. And now obviously he's come back. He's selling the company. He's part of this brand new company that's going to be happening. I think he is definitely going to be taking the helm over again. I think Triple H, we will slowly over time see some of his things change. We, we've seen him on TV already. There's there's clearly been Vince fingerprints on things, especially with Omos. And I know some people are fans of him. I'm still kind of on the fence with him. But, yeah, I do definitely think that there's definitely going to be some cuts again. Now, we talked about this before, Butster and I, and we said, who do we think could be if anyone were to be getting cut? We said Elias, we thought definitely would be on the chopping block. And we also thought that there's a potential that Things may be not quite working out with Bray Wyatt. I want to get your opinion on the Bray Wyatt situation. He came back to a big fanfare. Unfortunately, with the Mountain Dew match, that really kind of left a lot of people uh, wishing things would have been different. Now he's been gone for a while. He had an, an undisclosed illness, and they say that he's ready to come back, and he's excited, and there's been a new writer assigned to him. Do you think Bray Wyatt is ever going to be able to get back to that elite level that he once was, or at least in the eyes of the WWE fans? Uh, I think they have to tone him down. Um, the The rumor when he was released initially was that, and he made it sound like he made it sound that way himself, was that Vince controlled a lot of what Wyatt was doing, especially near the end, and. Vince was not around, to our knowledge, was not around when Triple H brought Wyatt back. He was not around in the initial promos or anything like that. And we kind of got to see Wyatt at his full, like, this is my baby. And it started off really strong, and then it became the same old, I'm going to stand in the ring and talk for 15 minutes, but do you really understand what I talked about? I think Wyatt is a very creative guy. I think some of his ideas are super cool. I think, like Tony... He needs a little bit of help and he needs to be on a leash a little bit. I don't think they're going to cut the cord on him yet unless whatever this undisclosed issue was, was something like, like something really bad with him personally. Like I, I don't want to even like speculate, but something, you know, not great. I don't see them cutting the cord. I think they'll give him, you know, one more shot, but I think they need to dumb him down. He became like an invincible character and you can't have that in wrestling. You need wrestlers that show weakness. And that's just what he struggled to do, except against Goldberg in like three minutes. That's when he was weak. But so, no, I think I think Wyatt's here for a little bit longer with your Vince McMahon thing. Vince is a smart guy. He's not a great guy, but he's a smart guy. 
And even if he has these ill will towards Steph and Triple H and Nick Khan, I don't think he wants to go in there and publicly tank his company. And Endeavor, Endeavor buying this company doesn't want to buy a company that's going to fail. They don't want to buy a company that is going to look bad in public eye. So my thinking is Triple H and Vince will agree that, hey, Vince, you know what? You get two segments a week. If you want to play with Omos, play with Omos. Book Omos, but let me do everything else to keep Vince happy. I still, I was on here a couple of weeks ago. I still think that when this sale is finalized and Endeavor is in complete control, I don't think Vince McMahon will be a part of it much longer. I think something will come out. Endeavor will cut the cord. They will pay him out his final two years in his clause. And they will move forward with Triple H and Nick Khan. And I think Stephanie will come back. I think it will be their company. But yeah, let Vince book, book Omos. You're not an Omos sapien apparently. So he's. I think he's great. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't think he's that great. But no, I, I, think, I think a lot of people are just scared, rightfully so. But you got to go day by day. No, I think there's definitely a lot to be uh, said on that one. No, I agree. Um, Brandon, you did bring up a great point about Roderick Strong. And I think this was something that's interesting about WWE is that we've seen this in the past. Oh, wait a minute. A contract has come up. We didn't realize that. We must have missed the paper filings. This seems to be a thing with WWE at times, not really understanding when someone's contract is going to be up. Um Roderick Strong is a great talent. Now, he hasn't been on TV for a while. Do you feel like this was a good uh, grab for Tony Khan? And do you feel like this will be a good opportunity for Roddy? Obviously, he's married to Marina Shafir, who I absolutely love. Um, I think Marina Shafir should be the first female induction into the BCC. I think she could just be a terror in that. I think she'd be perfect for that. But do you think this is good for Roddy as far as being able to have a, a fresh start and obviously you know, a new company, he still has obviously, um, you know, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and potentially if Bobby Fish ever comes back again, they would bring him back. Do you think this is good for Roddy? Yes, with an asterisk. Uh, I love Roddy. I was a huge, Roddy was always my number two in the Undisputed Era. I love, I was a huge Adam Cole fan. The Roddy situation, it was very clear that he re-signed and then very quickly decided, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore. And WWE wasn't going to be like, well, you just resigned, but we'll let you out of your contract. So obviously the rumors was that he was signed for at least another year and they collectively decided we're going to let you go. And they did it quietly in November. Nobody knew it happened and good on people backstage for all companies to keep that quiet. I think Rod Roddy is great for AEW, but I need Adam Cole to be Adam Cole. He has been the exact same character since his Undisputed Era days in AEW, he's done the exact same thing over and over and over again. Right, like Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly came to AEW. What did they do? They partnered with Adam Cole. It was Undisputed Light. Bobby Fish gets hurt, or sorry, Bobby Fish leaves. Whatever happened between them, Kyle O'Reilly gets hurt, and now you have Roddy coming back. And what does Roddy do? Now they're Undisputed Light. In an ideal world. For the next month or two, you get that out of your system and then you send Roddy to Ring of Honor or you have him beat Orange Cassidy or you have him have some kind of mid-card title, but you let Adam Cole grow as a performer by himself because I think I'm not the only one that is just tired of the same Adam Cole for the last six years. 
What about Roddy turns on Adam Cole? That that would be great too. Something something different. different. But mostly because then after he turns, they can move on. And I think that's what they, you know, have them feud, have Adam Cole beat him because you know Adam Cole will beat him. And then you put Roddy somewhere else and let Adam Cole do his own thing because he's desperately, it's, I need him to be alone. <laughs> Speaking of somebody who is alone right now, Alicia Fox is alone. In fact, she's no longer with WWE. The former WWE superstar took to Instagram recently to announce that her contract had expired. She's officially a free agent as of right now. Now, the former Alicia Fox is now going by her real name, Victoria Crawford on all her social media names. Now, she's not wasting any time. She made an appearance that's going to be scheduled for Celeb Fest 7, which will be on May the 21st. Alicia Fox hasn't wrestled since competing in the 2022 Women's Royal Rumble match. Now, Fox also competed in the 2021 Women's Royal Rumble match. She's not competed on a full-time basis since 2019. Now, she first addressed her hiatus from WWE back in 2019, sharing that she'd been going to treatment to battle alcoholism. Now, as far as Alicia Fox is concerned, Brandon, let me also throw this out at you here. You've digested so much of our AEW stuff. I really want to give you plenty of wwe uh content as well um you're probably more the resident expert on this than myself butster you can jump in on this one as well alicia fox did you see enough in a body of work from alicia fox to say you know what we should kick the tires on her would an impact or or maybe gosh it always seems like the de facto answer aew go for something like this or do you think that uh she does some independence she does some autograph signings really where do we go here with alicia fox I think she's done. You'll get some fan fest. I, I haven't Googled it. I would imagine she's pushing 40, if not 40 now. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this. Alicia Fox's first like WWE stuff was she was the wedding. Uh, she helped Vicky Guerrero in the wedding with Edge back in like 2008. Jeez. And then she transferred over to ECW. And she was, um, she was the manager of a guy named DJ Gabriel. So there's your fun fact of the day. I have three core memories of Alicia Fox. It was her and Edge making out on camera, and that's what broke up Edge and Vicky. It was one of the better, if not the best, Northern Lights suplexes I've ever seen. And when there was a small feud between Cedric Alexander and Noam Dar, which we later found out that the reason that feud was happening was because Vince McMahon loved Noam Dar's accent, and when he would pronounce Alicia Fox, it would sound like Fox. So he'd say Alicia Fox, and he would say that on TV. And apparently, Vince thought it was hilarious. Those are my core memories. I she'll do some fan fest. Fest. I don't see her wrestling full time. You might get like a show where they she gets a retirement match, but I, it's not a loss. I'm sure she's a great person, but I don't think there's anybody in WWE upset about her leaving. Plus, they did solid by her. Uh, addiction happens to everybody or most people, but they paid her and they continue to keep her on a legends contract to help out with all that stuff. So good on them, but it's time. She doesn't need a job forever. Yeah. She debuted back in 2006 with WWE. And it's like Brandon told you, I mean, she's been with the company for quite a long time. Uh, She currently is 36 years old and she uh, is from Port if I say this right, Port Verde Beach, Florida. Interesting. So best wishes to Alicia Fox. We uh, hope that 
she does well and most importantly continues to do well in life uh, with sobriety more than anything else because once again wrestling is secondary to your life and your health um I'm trying to think, was there anything else? Oh, I did tease a little bit of Trinity uh, being in Impact Wrestling at the top of the show. You know what? I'm excited for her. And and Trinity had made some comments about how she said that uh, being released from w- – or leaving WWE, I should say, was actually a breath of fresh air. And it was really an opportunity for her to become um, truly who she is and to explore – the type of person and performer that she is now, obviously, you know, she's married uh, once again, one of those couple relationships in WWE. When it comes to this, I I know you had mentioned this earlier in the show, Brandon, you say that she probably would be signing a short-term contract with impact. And then obviously, you know, bumping up her stock and then a, a high demand for her to come back. But do you, where do you see her? I mean, obviously the whole walkout thing was kind of like it, it put her front and center, maybe not as much as Sasha, because I feel like Sasha was always, you know, a much bigger tiered uh, star. Do you think if she did come back to WWE that she would get pushed main event type of status? Or do you think she's good? She's serviceable, um, but she's not what I would consider somebody who would be like the main event type of thing. Uh, I feel bad for her, if I'm going to be completely honest. I She walked out with Sasha, and I fully believe that she felt that she needed a... Re- like, she believed in the reason for walking out, but I feel like a lot of it was, I just need to back up my friend, and which most people would do in that situation. The I heard some rumors that they were potentially trying to bring them both back and it was pretty close to being done. But then Sasha was like, well, I want this in my contract or I want more money. So she pulled out and that caused Naomi to like to stick with her friend and she pulled out and then Sasha gets to go wrestle in new Japan. And what's Naomi Trinity been doing. Um, So I feel like she's been kind of forgotten in this whole situation as for in the ring. She was always one of those ones that I thought would be much better than she was when she'd step in. She was when she debuted, she was very athletic. She was very she was different than the regular women that we were seeing on WWE TV at that time. But when they brought up Charlotte and Becky and Sasha and Bailey, she was quickly knocked down a few pegs. I think Impact is really really good for her. Hopefully it can give her that you know career boost. If she was to come back to WWE, I think if they're still a thing, I think you just put her in the bloodline because it's what makes sense. Um, but I don't see her – she would not come back and be a Sasha Banks if Sasha Banks came back, for sure. She'd get some spotlight for a few months and then slowly go back down the card. I think to kind of piggyback on that one, um, you're right. I think she she did what she felt was the right thing to do, and I feel like she thought maybe if they bring Sasha back, they'll bring me back almost as a package deal, right? But I think that the stock for Sasha was so much higher um, than it was for Naomi. And I feel like if they were going to bring anybody back, it would have been Sasha. Unfortunately, Sasha ended up having more opportunities just because of the fact that she's been the world champion there as well. And and she had a very successful run. Here's the thing about this that I want to get both your opinions on. I know Butt and I talked about this way back when. But when it comes to Sasha Banks, I feel like it was very reasonable what she was wanting to come back to WWE. I know you had just touched upon this, 
But was she basically, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing this, she said she wanted to be in the ballpark of the same type of money as Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. And once again, that's a small snippet of of, of what maybe else she was, was looking for. But I don't think that's necessarily unreasonable because I think when I think of Sasha Banks, I definitely think she's on the level of Becky, and I definitely see that she's on the level of Charlotte. So it's one of those deals where if she was looking, let's just let's just say hypothetically this was the only issue. She was looking for competitive pay with those two women. Brandon, but let me ask you this. I think that's a reasonable question to ask because she is the boss and she definitely would bring in money. She's not on the same level as Charlotte. No. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Charlotte. Like a lot of people no, that's kind of run its course. You're a little tired, but she's not on the same level as Charlotte. Um, she's a small step behind Becky. Uh, at that time, she was for sure, uh, in my opinion. Anyhow, if that's what she was looking for, no, she didn't deserve it. I uh, initially, when the three of them came up, Bailey followed soon afterwards. I thought Sasha had the best chance of being the biggest star out of the out of the four if i was in wwe shoes i don't think i would offer her the same money because is sasha the most reliable out of them all and the issue is throughout her career whether we agree with her or not there has been times where she's just taken off whether it's a mental health issue or she's fed up with something behind the scenes but she'll disappear at a for two months you never hear why you had becky's return at SummerSlam. part of the reason she returned was because it was supposed to be sasha and bianca they were advertising it up until the night of the pay-per-view and sasha wasn't there we never really got a reason to where sasha went so if i was in wwe shoes i'd be like listen we can give you like in football, how you can sign, you can get contracts where if you hit a certain thing, you can get that amount of money. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you do something like that with Sasha, but Becky and, and Charlotte were both showing that they were reliable. They were going to be there every week. And also I think Sasha is a better wrestler than Charlotte and Becky, but those two are the better package. Tell me one good Sasha Banks promo and please do not show me that stupid video of her singing in Japan with the guitar, because that was awful. And if that was on a WWE show, that'd be ridiculed nonstop. But because it's in Japan, everybody thinks it's so great. And Sasha is such a star, but it was terrible. Chris, if you haven't seen it, my God, <laughs> brutal. The, the Butster doesn't even know. But Butster, where do they have most of their matches over in Japan? The Tokyo Super Dome Arena. Dave Meltzer says every match there is 81 stars. 83. He upped it. 83. Kenny Omega comes out on Do not dog Ken Okay, Kenny Omega and Okada have had three stars. Amazing matches. If people have not watched any of the trilogies or any of the matches of Omega and Okada, you definitely need to see that. Um, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi was really, really... I mean, there's so many great matches that he's had over there. People have not seen him. Go ahead and sit down and watch him. Wrestle Kingdom is... He's had some of his greatest, greatest shows. Um, anyway, I'll leave my Kenny fandom. No, I'm uh, not beating up on Kenny. It's just his matches are damn good. I mean, I'm telling you what, Meltzer, everything is if it's in Japan, 
at the, the Superdome well, Arena. It's fantastic. For the simple if it fact happened at the at the Sky Dome, no, nah, it's two stars. Easy. For the simple fact that over in Japan, they don't, especially some of the promotions like DDT. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not always DDT, but New Japan. All it's not as storyline, comedic, cartoony, driven. It's not as as hokey sometimes as WWE has been. It it's a lot more straight line, streamlined as far as just I'm going to fight you, yada yada yada. However, here's what I will tell you, and I don't know how accurate these are. However, this is Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair has a net uh, worth in 2024 of approximately $4 million. She earns a salary of $550,000. So $550,000 is her contract salary. Okay. Becky Lynch. I'm seeing right here that her salary is $3 million a year. Seems a little off. <laughs> if Charlotte's only getting five hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, but okay. So let me just put this into comparison here. Sasha Banks, her projected net worth in twenty twenty two was three million dollars. Her contract was only worth two hundred and fifty thousand. I'm telling you right now, you couldn't bump Sasha Banks up to five hundred. I I'm okay with moving her up to that. I'm not. A, I'm not saying okay. It, let's just hypothetically say Becky Lynch is three million. Let's say Charlotte is. 550 and she's 250. I think if you would have come to some type of agreement that you know what the Becky Lynch thing, I find it hard to believe it's three million. But uh, Charlotte Flair's 550,000. Let's just say you bring her up to 450, maybe five. Okay, maybe 475. I think there was a decent middle ground that you could have reached. Um, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. Reliability is a big thing too. And no matter how good you are, if you're not reliable, that's a problem. Now, I don't know much about her. You probably know way more about her than I do. But if she wanted to be considered in a competitive salary amount, I could see that. I want to look up really quickly what Bailey's salary is because I would love to know what she – once, of course, I am literally just looking up uh, on the Bailey's Google machine. fantastic. Bailey's really good. Bailey uh, Butster, we tell um she okay, this is interesting. Uh Bailey currently has a net worth of two million dollars. Uh as of twenty twenty three, her salary is three hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. Who would you yeah. sooner have? Sasha Banks or Bailey? Who would I rather have? Yeah. I really like I, – I, I don't know. I just feel like I would go with Sasha. Bailey's really good. Um, but I'm going to tell you who my favorite female wrestler in WWE is, and she's been underutilized. Not, and Buster, you want to tell her uh, – tell uh, Brandon who that is? That is not her. Shayna Baszler. Oh, her. Yeah. No, Shayna's fantastic. No, well, Shayna she, she is. She can she be, but oh. – the NXT run where she was champion forever. Oh my goodness! I, to answer your question, Chris uh, Bailey, all the way over Sasha. Exactly. If I had to pick between the two, she's more reliable. She can cut a promo. Her matches are maybe not as good as Sasha's, but they're not terrible. They're damn close. If they're not as good, they're not far off. Me personally, I go with Bailey over Sasha. 
any day of the week. Um, it's not really telling me here. So what what uh, Shayna Baszler's uh, salary is? So interesting, interesting, interesting. That's everything that I have on my side on my scorecard. Is there anything else that either one of you guys have that is just kind of gnawing at you that you're like, you know what? The listeners need to know about this or just something, a rant that you want to share with everyone. By all means, feel free. D'Lo Brown doesn't get enough love. That's Hello, all. Mr. Random. There you go. I just want to tell you, D'Lo <laughs> Brown, shake your head. love him. D'Lo Brown. Hey. <laughs> and that chest blue. protector. Love that chest protector. That was that, great that- stuff. The head waggle kind of threw me a little bit when he would get up on the top. You know, I didn't know what was going on here, but uh, I'm surprised we have not seen a chest protector gimmick again. It's so you could argue Roman had the vest, yes, after the shield, but they didn't play into that as as being any extra force. There's there's got to be a chest protector again. Tony Khan, you listen to every other podcast. If you hear me, please put somebody in a chest protector. Give it to Sammy Guevara. Okay, I want to go into, uh, okay, okay, you know what, one last thing, gosh, I, I have to go into this, right now, MJF is the AEW world champion, now there's going to be a pillars thing, and for the love of God, I don't like the fact that they're using that phrase, that bothers me, that's a complete ripoff of something that was used over in Japan, but I will let that go. I want to get your opinion on this, Brandon, and I also want to get the butt's take on this. And I, the butt, you and I talked about this, and I think we're kind of on the same page. First of all, MJF is not losing the belt for the foreseeable future. That's just a fact. Um, I'm sorry, but I cannot look at Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, or Sammy Guevara and see them as world champion material. I cannot. They may be longevity as far as being in the company and and staples in the company, but I don't see those guys being the world champion. Not when you have somebody like Kenny Omega or a a Switchblade Jay White on there, or if someone else comes into the company like an Okada or Hangman Adam Page, or I, I just don't see it being realistic. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, you got these guys who look like they're in middle school, and and I know I'm being a huge knob right now but it's just i don't see that being realistic the only other guy that i think could be world champion material would be a ricky starks but right now i mean i would rather have adam cole as the world champion i don't see darby allen as a world champion i'm like no don't no don't there's not a single fucking person who could sell me on the skateboard dude with the pink face. I like turtles. Like, <laughs> no, that's not happening. Sammy Guevara might be a little closer. No, Jungle Boy, no, because it's it's just not believable. It's not believable in my opinion. Brandon, I know you're not an AEW guy, but do you, you agree with me on this one? Um, I'm actually really happy you brought this up. First of all, are you sure you don't listen to Cornette? Because that's the same mindset he has. Very Cornette-like. There is, as much as you don't like it, there is money in Darby Allen. I'm not a huge Darby Allen fan. I've heard stories of his personal life, and I kind of think he's a dickhead. And I kind of, when when you hear about these bad wrestlers who are bad people in real life, 
Darby Allen skipped over a lot. They don't mention how he would pay homeless people to like do terrible shit to each other. They they don't mention all of that stuff. But there is there's this natural charismatic thing about Darby Allen that sucks people in. And he might not be your cup of tea. He's not particularly mine, but I get it. And I don't see him being a, a champion now, but I could see it being built up. If it was up to me and you felt the need to book a title match somehow with MJF and a combination of the three, the pay-per-view would be fine with an MJF Darby Allen main event. If you felt the need to do it, jungle boy, he is only there because when AEW started, he was a hot prospect and got lumped into this four pillars thing. If he debuted now and they hadn't come up with the four pillars thing and they wanted to do it, he would nowhere be near it. He is one of the most boring people I've ever heard on the mic. He has openly talked about how he's scared to talk on the mic and he runs away from interviews. Like, I don't know. Uh, Sammy, I mean, his girlfriend, wife, she's beautiful. You want to punch him in the face. There's some markability there. Is MJF a letdown as a champ? That's the real question. Oh, I think it has been. And I think a part of it is his... He is so good when he wants to be in a promo, but a lot of his promos are just, you guys are fat and ugly. Your city sucks. Also, your mom was an alcoholic. That's where his, you know, his promos get to, which is, which is fine when you don't hear it every week. It's a lot of cheap heat. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, and, and it's, it's just every week there's like his best promos were against punk. Those were his best promos because punk would you know go back at him with with the same kind of promos although i felt they got too much wwe talking about them constantly which is that's a, gotta stop that has to stop huge. jesus criminy like are we at a point where AEW still every week has some mention to wwe i know they've dropped cody wrote like that stupid sting promo where he's like oh you said cody like why is that i i don't get it but to answer your question no it's a terrible idea of a main event i understand why they're doing it but i wish tony tony books these ideas so far in advance in his in his notebook and he's too scared to to change those ideas really quickly great point of that and i think this is what would have helped AEW better and keep the momentum is when kenny omega was champ and he had that um was it half hour draw with with daniel or brian danielson or yes regardless they should have ran that match back and they should have had Brian Danielson win the title. Uh, Hangman Page, his story made sense. Hangman Page probably shouldn't have left for mater- or paternity leave. Well, I will say he lost so much momentum once yes. he left for that. And whatever you have to do. I'm not a dad. I would love to be one and I would imagine I would do something like that in that situation. But... Tony Khan should have looked at that and said, Hey, we're riding a hot hand. Let's, we don't have to scrap hangman being a champion, but let's put it on the back burner and let's push somebody that the crowd is really, really into. And that could have built that momentum. And that's what I think Tony sometimes do does is he probably booked this four pillars match four years ago when AEW started. And he's just stuck with it no matter how well or poorly the four of them have gotten over in the last four years. I can't argue with that. Much as I'd love to. <laughs> you can't. 
Once again, Brandon brings a very good, refreshing, different take to the show. I mean, you definitely have some thoughts that I have not given consideration to, much like the butt does. He brings things that I haven't really looked at it from certain perspectives, and it's it's nice to be able to see things from all different angles, except for me and Amir. All right. Uh, I believe that is everything we are running long this week, but we really appreciate you sticking with us here. If you know somebody who likes wrestling podcasts or just likes to listen to friends, just shoot the shit and have a good time. Go ahead and send them the link. Let them know that they can find our podcast anywhere. Fine podcasts are made available. Stitcher, iTunes, FM player, Apple iTunes, and all points in between. We talk wrestling. We talk wrestling, and then sometimes we get off topics and talk about other things. But you know what? It's a fun show each and every week. And uh, I do want to thank you once again for letting us come into your computer, iPod, is an iPod still? Airbuds? I don't know. I got no idea. Do they still make iPods? I I don't even know. I have an Android. I mean, listen, I'm uh, I'm on Boost Mobile. So what the hell am I talking about? I don't, you I don't got even a have a burner con- phone. Hey, hey, hey! You make me sound like I'm a drug dealer. I thought you were. Are you kidding me? I can't afford that. Uh, for the executive producer, the writ, which once again, we always like to let people know if you are a fan of baseball, the boys of summer are back. He's talking all things Boston Red Sox in the American League. Check them out on the Pesky Podcast, which once again is available anywhere fine podcasts are made available. Also, if you are into woodworking and you would like to have the knob, I'm sorry, this is just too much. I'm rolling with it. Uh, go ahead and uh, work on something for you. Uh, Butster, where can people get a hold of you if you if they would like to talk to you about maybe having something created? Tell people about what you make as well. Oh, yeah, so I just make simple wooden toys. The old school, old-fashioned toys, no bells and whistles you don't gotta plug it in and charge it just simple wooden toys cars trucks boats trains simplistic nothing fancy to it last forever bounce them off the wall pick them up they're still good to go now you take your ipod you bounce it off the wall you pick it up not so good probably not gonna work no more for you if they still make them if you take your drug dealing track phone, bounce it off the wall, pick it up, definitely not going to work for you no more. But you can get one for twenty nine ninety five at uh, Valero, probably, so not a big deal. But no, if you want to reach me, it's uh, CB79 Wooden Toymaker on Facebook or on Twitter. It's GOTNEWF2291. Reach out to me. Maybe I can help you out. And uh, the woodworking show this past weekend went very, very successful. Um, So what are some of the other shows that you're booked for right now? Uh, I have a couple they're still working out the details of. One is a, it's actually in a school here, or R.G. Sinclair. I think that one's in October. Uh, They've reached out to me. I don't know too much about it yet. Not all the details. It's a fairly big show. Uh, There's another one with uh, Queens University. They've reached out to me. So that one should be fairly good. Uh, it's the Tet Center, Brandon. Is that what it's called down at yeah. Queens? The Tet Center. They reached out to me. And another one through a local woodworking group here in the area reached out to me. So a lot of details are being worked out. Some haven't been finalized yet. So I don't really have a great answer for that, unfortunately. The but Tet Center is pretty fancy. I'm surprised they let you in there. 
Why you gotta be like that? I'm just, I'm just saying. Huh. The Butster's moving up in the world. I mean, he's uh, he's kind of a big deal in the woodworking industry. He is. And don't you forget, Brandon. I'm never, I'm never gonna forget that either. Brandon, give people the socias. Where can people find you? Where can people follow you if they would like to continue this conversation about the world of wrestling and anything else? Give them the deets. Yeah, I don't I don't make wood toys, so I'm not nearly as exciting. But if you want to see me be an idiot, uh, Instagram, Twitter, it's just bbrownx23. And anything? he's definitely an idiot. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Anything coming up in your life? Anything you got going on anytime soon? I know you're you're doing the bachelor life because your wife is in Scotland. Yeah, she is in Scotland this week doing a, a presentation uh, to a bunch of smart people that I was not invited to because I'm not smart enough. Um, <laughs> out, outside of that, um, I'm going to a local wrestling show here in town. Rhino is going to be there, so. I'm going to ask him to chop me. I'm hoping that he'll say yes. Probably not. And fun fact too, um, a buddy and I have a football bet and he lost and he's getting my name tattooed to either his butt or the bottom of his foot this Saturday. So we're pretty excited for that. Yes. (laughs) I forgot this. His wife originally was supposed to be on his butt. My signature, his wife was kind of against it. So we agreed on the bottom of the foot. I booked the tattoo and now all of a sudden he came back to me and said, hey, she actually said it might be okay on the butt. So on Saturday, we're going to walk in. I've already put the down deposit on. Uh, so he is getting my name on one of his body parts by the end of Saturday. And I'm pretty excited for it. Kind of wish I lost, though, because I think it would be funnier if it was on me. But can't win them all. Go Eagles. What? This might be one of the coolest things I have ever heard. Please tell me you're going to record this. Uh, there will be some recording. There will be some photos for sure. Uh, the first year we did a football bet, he lost that one too. And I paid for him to get one leg completely waxed, um, which was fun. Um, actually, the tattoo was pick number three. Real quick, the other two options was the loser had to get a full like boudoir photo shoot, like those sexy photos done professionally and post them. And then the other one, which is kind of what I was hoping we would pick, was the loser would have to pay for a month-long uh, pole dancing class and then do a performance at the end of it. But he uh, picked the tattoo. So we'll see what next year holds through. This sounds like an amazing group to be a part of, but I would be scared shitless in the same process. I, I'm trying to put – you ever see Jackass when they do the uh, – where Steve-O puts the queen bee on his on his nuts – and all the bees come on to his his speedo. That's what I'm trying to do, but I don't know if that's I've, a normal person can just get that scheduled. You know, I was gonna say I'm not really quite sure how that would get booked. I don't know how you would even breach that conversation. Like, so if anybody listening to this podcast is a beekeeper and wants to help me out, please message me because I am 100 percent on board. I know, I know a beekeeper. <laughs> do you know? Okay, we're gonna talk later. You send me a message later. This is fantastic. You need to realize the stuff they've done. Like in my autograph book that I have, I have one of Brandon and Kyle for. I don't even know what you guys are raising money for. All right. Well, we're going off off the rails now. So what's one more track? A few years ago, we had a bowling tournament and we were trying to raise money. Uh, It was, it was to go towards kids, big brothers, big sisters, boys and girls club here in our city. And basically the, the problem was, was, all the bowling teams were co-workers. 
So how could I go up to a coworker and say, hey, give money to me, but not to my other coworker? Because that's kind of weird. So what Kyle and I decided to do was that year, um, you paid us and we would take any photograph that you wanted and we would sign it and just get a dollar store frame and frame it and give it to you. Um, so Chris, being an absolute terrible person, knows that there's nothing more that I hate in life than the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so at the time, Chris and I worked at the same store as a side gig and we had a bunch of Cowboys stuff. So Kyle and I, I borrowed some uh, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott jerseys, uh, cowboy hats. And we took a photo with a poster saying how much we love the Cowboys and hate the Eagles. It was great. I think Chris only paid me five bucks. Well, uh, yes. Yeah, I know that's my style. Five bucks. Yeah. So, but no, we did some, uh, we did some inspiration for Lion King where I held him up above my head, like over a rock. We, we did the Spider-Man kiss where I was spider or I was, he was Spider-Man. I was Mary Jane, you know, anything to raise money. We were the highest team. I think the team itself finished at a little over $2,100 Canadian which is like five bucks American. Um, <laughs> but myself, I, I won the top earners award and I by myself raised like $1,100 out of it. So it was pretty, it was a team of five. So it was a good, good little jaunt. We did not win the bowling tournament though, because we all suck at bowling. But, and I also got a lot of trouble in at work, but that's another story for another day. Wow, we're going to have to save these guys. This is so much fun and we hope you've enjoyed it as well. For my executive producer, The Rit, for Brandon, for The Butt, I am Mike Freeland. It's been so much fun. We will catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material Brand. My name is Mike Freeland, and if you're looking for an exciting wrestling podcast to add to your library, then look no further than the Front Row Material Brand. Don't miss it. It's the Front Row Material Brand brought to you by the MLW Radio Network.